0: Hi, do you want to go to a party with me?
1: No, the game's on. Oh, I almost forgot. I'll be right there. We
0: like sports and we don't care who knows.
1: From shooting hoops to the Super Bowl. We like sports and we don't care who knows. Football, football, blood
0: Welcome back, everybody, to the Next Level Nerd Sportscast. I am Frank Conti, and we are back two weeks. Uh, quick, quick back, quick return, Bronson, with an episode here, uh, more hockey talk. We're breaking down the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, so it's good to be back with you so, so soon. Uh, we have a lot of hockey to break down today. It's probably going to be a, a mostly hockey-centric show again, as it was last time. We'll do a, a segment at the end we, we like to call Quick Hitters, where Bronson and I can take any topic we want, uh, any sports, even, even non-sports topics, um, so we'll do that at the end but uh, I'm proud to introduce my resident our resident hockey guru here at the next level nerd sportscast Bronson Allman. and Bronson I know you're you're chomping at the bit to get into these games uh the second round was the the final eight if you uh, if you will um, as we're down to the elite eight uh, in in the hockey playoffs uh, it's the divisional the, the divisional finals I guess you can call it um, in the COVID year where the divisions are matching up and uh, it's, it's the last round where we'll see uh, interdivisional play. So um, Bronson, I'm going to turn it over to you. Um, go ahead, introduce yourself. Uh, let me know what's been going on with you. And, and, and if you want, just dive right into it. The, the floor is yours.
1: Well, thank you, Frankie. And uh, uh, to quote Austin Powers in uh, in Las Vegas, allow myself to introduce myself. <laughs> 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 i am bronson and i am of course uh the other half of what makes this this podcast duo work here and um yeah man just excited for some playoff hockey just really trying to you know get in there and watching the you know the games and whatnot and so far you know a lot of people who listen to our podcast are on the hockey and just say there are a few that probably aren't and maybe these aren't the shows for them and maybe we'll give them a little bit of a vacation, but I know with, with the, with the teams dwindling down Frank, uh, we will be devoting probably less and less of the shows to hockey. So with less games, comes less, with more time we have to fill, folks. So if you're not into the hockey field <laughs> the last couple of weeks, hang with us. Uh We'll be getting back to sports here and, all around in just a bit. The NFL is kind of heating up now with a lot of off-season talk and whatnot, so I'm sure we'll be covering that. Uh Baseball will be heating up, or I'll be running the, the all-star break there. Yeah, trade deadline talk for yeah. that, yeah. And uh, and obviously uh a lot of other things going on as well, NBA playoffs, yeah, a lot of NBA off season stuff will be covering that, golf, tennis, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Cetera, et cetera. But it is this will be mostly hockey show, and uh you know, just looking forward to doing what I do the last couple shows. Uh Frank seems to like it as well. A lot of people uh the playoff recaps give you game by game breakdown. Not a lot of people watch each game and want to know what happened in each game, so it's right. cool. Frank and I will cover each series here, our reflections and what we see going ahead. <clears throat> um, before we get this start, Frank, I just ran a couple few things happen in uh, in hockey. Uh, Gerard Gallant was hired as the new Rangers head coach yesterday. I
0: saw that. Yeah, uh,
1: a lot of play a, a place. A lot of people thought that uh, that um, Rick Tocchet was going to end up mm-hmm. uh, looking more and more like the more he sits out there, and the more that Seattle kind of. Plans their attack on this offseason upcoming expansion draft. That it, it may look like the uh, the buddy system might work, and I'm not saying buddy system is a disrespect to both guys, but a lot of great hockey uh, minded talent individuals. Those being Ron Francis and Rick Tockett. I think they reunite and see out of the way it's looking right now. Frank, um, a news that broke today was that the Carolina Hurricanes extended head coach uh, and former cup-winning captain Rod Brindamore to three more years in Carolina. That was a, 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 a signing that I endorsed, Frank. Actually, uh, when it was on the fence that we didn't know whether Sully was going to come back, uh, Rod, Rod Brindamore was on probably my list of three guys I would have liked to have seen replace Sully. So uh, and, and obviously the Rutherford were not here. There was no Carolina connection there. But he was a guy I would have loved to have seen if the Penguins, for some reason, and Sully uh, parted ways. But we're glad to have Sully back. But I'm more important. and I'm happy that the Canes are going to get brought Brendan Moore back. I think he's a great coach for that young nucleus team. Frank and a lot of great young stars on that team.
0: They're so close. One of these years they're going to do it and prove me right. I'll keep picking them every year. But uh, <laughs> you know, Brendan Moore's turned that franchise around. There, you know, they almost won the President's Trophy this year. They're the perennial playoff. You know, making semi-deep runs. I think you know they get into the first, second round every year. Um, I think they're right on the cusp there. Like you said, the young nucleus is there. Good for Rod Brindamore to. They got to give him a you know couple more years to to try to go deeper in the playoffs, and I think they they'll be able to get it done.
1: Yeah, and um, trying to think of anything else on the Penguins front that's kind of happened since. And I really it's been kind of everything's been kind of low key so far. And uh, yeah,
0: no it, moves yet. I think you have to wait till really after the Cup final to start making moves. So
1: yeah, and uh, um, what was I was gonna say. There is a couple of rumors out there the last couple of days that I think that the the top priorities are going to be to um, extend Crystal Tang over the summer. And there's also been an outside shot that uh, that Evgeny Malkin also could be extended during the summer. So that's been kind of heating up a little bit the last couple of days from what I've been hearing from the insiders that talk to Madden and, and a lot of those other – like the the NHL insiders here in Pittsburgh that – that one, one if not both, will be extended this summer. That's
0: what I'm hearing too, and I, you know, maybe their cap number goes down a little bit and helps with the, you know, some of the cap relief. I'm not yeah. sure if I think they can tear up the current deal and maybe like extend it to a new deal and help out the the cap for
1: next year. So yeah, I I don't see I don't see either coming back unless they're taking at the least somewhat of a, a discount or, or a yeah. very team friendly deal. But I mean I'm optimistic, especially optimistic, especially the new management and and uh and Chris Crystal Tang and Malcolm both have extended, you know, their 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 willingness and, and want to 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 end their careers as penguins. So mm-hmm. I think you have to bring Crystal Tang back, Frank, and like Mark Madden always says it. Who are you gonna find a guy that does the things that Crystal Tang does, that logs the kind of minutes he logs? I don't necessarily know if, if you want to throw Marino into that, you know, just just mm-hmm. bit or POJ. You don't want to throw those guys into right, the fire. Right away, and, Yeah. Play minute. So I think something gets done there. Um, and then, you know, we're just awarding the cup. And then uh, I'm sure that, you know, when the cup's awarded, Frank and I are just going to have our own sports nerddom uh, going about the expansion draft. Frank, the uh, Jack Adams award, they're talking about here on TV in the, during the intermission of the Islanders Lightning series. Brendan Moore, uh, uh, Devin Eveson, the coach of the wild, and uh, Joel Quinville looks like the three candidates for the Jack Adams. So no Sully. Uh, and no rod and um no no um bruce Cassidy, none of those guys and no and no and no trots but i like to see rod Brindamore win the jack adams award and, or the guy from the minnesota coach who i always keep forgetting his it just net mentioned his name but
0: yeah he's under the radar and they had a great <laughs> year a lot of people didn't have them finishing in the top 4 and they made the playoffs no, I mean, and gave gave vegas all they could handle so i like the wild
1: yeah. and yeah, our also... boy
0: kaprizov
1: yeah actually uh they announced the winner already. Oh, they're, they're,
0: so there's probably no award show in Vegas this yeah, year. Yeah, Rod Brindamore is the winner. So they're, they're just—I right think now. they're announcing one a day or something. Yeah.
1: Yeah, Rod Brindamore is the annou- is the winner of the it. Jack Adams Award. So we just talked about him, and it just broke live on our show, Frank. <laughs> so congratulations to Rod Brindamore, yeah. who is the Jack Adams Award winner.
0: Bronson, a note on Gerard Gallant. Um, uh, something that helped his resume was. Uh, uh, coaching team uh, Canada to world championship gold over in Riga Latvia over the last couple yeah, you, of weeks you, you
1: were following that very closely
0: tournament. I, I, I had fun watching uh, a lot of the, the game times were 5 and 7 a.m. which made it a, a struggle, but um, uh, I'll quickly recap a team Canada started zero and three in preliminary play, which was the first time they ever did that in 100 years um, you only have seven preliminary round games In a round robin, and they they were able to scrape away, uh, scrape by, going three zero and one in their final four um, to to get into the um, into the quarterfinal. And from there, they they kind of swept it. They beat uh, powerhouse Russia. Um, They took out the U.S. in the semis and Finland in the gold medal game. So uh, that that team was coached by Gerard Gerard Gallant, and it was uh, general managed by Shane Doan um, of the uh, Arizona Coyote fame. So. I was rooting for Team USA, obviously. They uh, they actually lost their opener against Finland and then won uh, six straight in the preliminary round. And then they won their quarterfinal matchup against Slovakia. Seven-game winning streak they rode into the semifinal until they were stopped by uh, a strong Darcy Kemper in Team Canada. Uh, it's a fun tournament over there, Bronson. Everybody that's still in the playoffs obviously can't play in it. Um, so it was a lot of... LA Kings and San Jose Sharks and Anaheim Ducks and Detroit Red Wings, all the teams that missed the playoffs, if those guys wanted to represent their country and and uh, and go over and play some more hockey, um, a lot of the rosters had NHL talent, just not your household names. But I had a great time watching some of those guys, like for the U.S., Connor Garland of the Arizona Coyotes, great tournament, fantastic player. Um, I saw Darcy Kemper play really well in net, uh, Arizona Coyotes. I mentioned in a previous show that I would love the Penguins to maybe swing a deal for him if the Coyotes are in a rebuild. Um, yeah. He's an un- underrated goalie. Um, Brian Boyle played for Team USA. He's currently a free agent. He he came off the couch and played for him and had a great tournament at killing penalties physical size 36 37 that's I was probably
1: a, you know a, a platform for him to kind of audition for teams to get back in the league
0: yeah even if it's overseas like in the european stage on you know on the bigger ice surface uh maybe he even you know lands a deal playing in the Finnish league or the khl yeah. or something like that he had a great tournament um tournament mvp was andrew manjapani um uh from the calgary flames uh, for Team Canada, I think he had eight or nine goals in the in, in the two-week span. He was he was fantastic. Big guy, overtime game winner um, in in their semifinal against uh, I think it was against Germany. So, um, yeah, so it was a fun tournament. That's uh, so Canada took out Finland. Finland got the silver, and the U.S. was able to get the bronze. So if you lose the semifinal game, you get to still play for bronze, and they they took out Germany and won bronze. So good for them. They weren't expected a medal, and and came home yeah. with with the bronze now- without. Without Patrick Kane, without big time names, on Team USA, um, they they took home bronze.
1: Now I'm, I don't watch a whole. I admit, even being a hockey guy that I am, I don't watch a whole lot of the World Championships every year. So I don't know their eligibility. Now are any of the current like draft class guys kind of in the mix there? Like Owen Power? Yeah, they um, were. They,
0: you have to yeah. be over the age of eighteen, and um, and you're allowed in. So Owen Power was on Team Canada and logged big time minutes as the yeah. tournament as the tournament went on. He was. Became their number one defenseman. Um, a lot of that, like an audition for him, he might have propelled himself into the number yeah. one for for Buffalo. Um, another guy that stood out in the tournament, a young guy, um, was Lucas Reichel of Germany, and he's already yeah. been drafted. He's a Chicago Blackhawk. Yeah. Right. Uh, they have his rights, and he. It's been announced that he signed his entry level contract after the tournament, so you'll see him. Uh, in a Blackhawks sweater on opening night I predict cuz he was oh at only 20 years old drafted a couple years ago he was he was lighting it up um and for team uh there was a uh, one other uh for team uh, was it Canada I know a youngster that's not quite uh not quite eligible or not I think he's going to be drafted this year there there I forget his name I'll look it up for you after the show but uh th- there was a couple guys brunching the, in the 2021 draft coming up that uh that already yeah, started yeah, to I'm look good. sure
1: that the uh, the Eklinton kid played for Sweden too.
0: Not sure about that. I know that uh I don't think hughes Luke Hughes didn't play.
1: Yeah, I don't think he's quite eligible.
0: Yeah. So and he's I,
1: and he's supposed to be from what everyone said, he's supposed to be the most talented of all the Hughes kids. But he doesn't have, it seems like with the draft, he doesn't have this, like, you know what I mean? Like, Jack Hughes went number one, although you could say maybe it was a, a, a not so strong core group of, of guys that year. But, you know, you have Jack, you have Jack Quinn, and then now, you know, Luke, Luke's going to oh, come Oh, there this it
0: thing. is. I, it, I had to look up a mock draft. It was Maddie Beniers. Yeah. He, Matty Beneers played for Team USA and, and played pretty well. He did get injured late, which I felt bad because that hurt them. Um, he didn't play in the, uh, the the semifinal or bronze medal game. But yeah, it was Mat- Matty Beneers um, was on Team USA and... There were a few others. One player that lit it up that's been drafted is Mo Sider from the Red Wings, the German defenseman. Yes, yeah, sixth, yeah. six overall last year. Yeah, I think
1: Detroit is slowly but surely building that core up, and I, uh, I hope they they can find their way out of the cellar. Uh, because you know, even though they are by by default the Penguins, like you know Stanley Cup rivals, but I uh, always want I think I think hockey's always in a better place than the Red Wings are, are. a good friend, good team. So, um. Stevie That's, wise I think doing all good things there and uh, and they just extended uh blaschel so they, they he obviously has a lot of confidence in Jeff blaschel to to keep him there as a coach and and not to mention the fact that, you know they kind of inherited a whole bunch of nothing when when Babcock and Ken Holland left so right uh, so they they so yeah pool for the wings you know it's gonna be a long a slow a slow build there but I think when when it's all said and done they'll be they'll be among the NHL's elite uh uh you know even if it's Sooner or later, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I think if, it's always good when the Red Wings are back on top. But Frank, we will get into these uh, NHL uh, playoff recaps here.
0: Yeah, Bronson, take it away, round two yeah. here. Where do you want to start? Boston. <laughs> yeah, in, we're gonna start with in... Boston
1: and New York, and then for some games, I have to emphasize who was the goaltender of record because there were some switches during the playoffs. And we're gonna start here with Game One of the second round. It was the Islanders and Bruins. Obviously, the Bruins disposed of the of the Washington Capitals in the first round, and the Islanders, of course, broke the hearts of all of our us rah, Pittsburgh rah, rah, Penguins fans. Oh. Yeah, the <laughs> price is <laughs> right, losing point. I don't have it on cue here, but <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I think a lot of Penguins fans, you know, still bitter and angry about what happened that series, you know. But you know, but even after that, I feel like the next day, a lot a lot of teams are like. A lot of Penguin fans are like, we cannot stand Boston. So we are going to cheer for the Islanders to get rid of the Bruins because there's just it's that awesome. dislike of Boston.
0: It was hard to pick a, a team to root for in this series. It's two teams you hate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So we kick it off with game one, Frank. Game games one and 2 were in TD Bank North Garden in Boston. Um, uh, Ilya Sorokin was the goalie in that in game one. Frank, he had to go to Sorokin with a, a great series he had against uh, our Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah. So Barry Trotz sticks him in the net. Um, and they actually got out pretty well, you know, of course, Anthony Bavillier, you know, we've only never heard of his name before, <laughs> all last series, uh, but he gets the Islanders on the, on the, on the score sheet, Frank, with the first goal of the series on the power play to put the Islanders up one to nothing. Um, but that unfortunate, unfortunate would be all the Islanders could muster for a while as uh, immediately after that goal, David Poster knock on the power play ties it up for the bees. Uh, he also gets he also gets the next goal in a beautiful setup by Patrice Bergeron to go two one Boston uh Charlie McAvoy goes up makes it 3-1 Boston um, but uh Alan Pe- Adam Pellich from the Islanders gets a goal on the board to make it 4-2 but Frankie would be all it would be too much uh Pasta knock would get the third would get the uh, the fourth tally for the Bruins his third of the night so Pasta turns the hat trick in game 1 um and then on on uh the penalty kill the Islanders had to pull the goaltender so it was a 5-on-5 situation uh that would lead to the deadline acquisition of taylor hall scoring the power play goal on the empty netter that would put the boston bruins in the driver's seat to win game one five to two so the penguins were the penguins fans who were pulling for the islanders were not getting uh, what they wanted game one but she had to figure the islanders were going to find a way to bounce back frank yeah, they they you know this is definitely not their game and uh and, you know, maybe just the fact that, that Boston kind of had to, you know, wait it out a little bit on that Pittsburgh-New York series. Um, they were they were chomping at the bit. They could put some pucks in the net. The Islanders maybe, you know, still, you know, showing some battle scars from that first round. Um, but Beauvillier, Frank on the board, as he, he seems to be the the killer in the, the Penguins series. He gets on the board here. Um, but we go to game two. Frank in Boston. And Barry Trotz would make a goaltender switch. He would go back to Simeon Varlamov for game two. Um in one minute in, Frank, I don't think Barry Trotz was, was liking what he was seeing because uh, less than a minute into the game, Charlie Quo gets the Bruins up one nothing. So all of a sudden, <laughs> he's starting to think maybe Boston's is going to be in the driver's seat of this series. But uh, took a little bit of time in the first. We through the first Frank. but the but but the New York Islanders uh, would start to find their groove a little bit. Josh Bailey would get on the board first for the New York Islanders to go one one, um, and then Kyle Palmieri and jean Gabriel Pajot would go back to back for the Islanders to go three to one. So things are starting to look good for the Islanders, Frank. They're gonna you know take take one of the the games on home ice or er, from Boston. Um, Boston's home ice but uh you know the Boston Bruins Frank, they're not going to go away quietly and uh the perfection line strikes again uh Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand would each get goals for the Boston Bruins to tie it up right right before the regulation uh it would go to overtime in game two in Boston uh but that, that uh that sneaky fourth line Frank of the New York Islanders would come up in overtime Casey Sezikis look at the game winning goal in overtime to even the series up a one um and they would go to game 3 in New York in the Coliseum in Uniontown or Uniondale not Uniontown um and, and this would fans, be a of squ- back
0: sorry Bronson I, oh, I think it was a. I think it was the first time a lot of fans were back cuz they had come back for a few of the penguins games but they they upped the capacity and I remember it yeah. was a ra- it was raucous to to the see the Coliseum
1: game three in Uniondale was rocking and Frank they would get rocking because that that uh that packed capacity crowd there at the you know, at the uh, the Nassau Coliseum seemed to be that would be what would uh that would be what would prepare uh, Matthew Barzell to score his first goal of the playoffs. He would score the first goal of the game for the Islanders. So this is a, he finally shows up at the playoffs, gets his first goal of the playoffs and of this game for the Islanders to go up one nothing. But uh one of the uh, role players for the Boston Bruins, Frank Craig Smith, will tie the game up at one. A whole lot of battle of two uh, terrific goaltending. Uh, Pro- uh, Prodigies, it seems like this game, and and uh, Varlamov and Tuka Rask, they would exchange uh, key save after key save back and forth. That was all each team could muster in regulation as a goal, Frank. Uh, but in overtime, uh, our good buddy uh, Brad Marchand <laughs> would score the, the overtime game winner for Boston uh, to go up uh, a two to one there. So you know, thought maybe Boston they take one on, they take one in New York as as uh, the Islanders took one in Boston. They would go to Game Four in New York. And it looked like the Boston Bruins are just going to keep the momentum going as David Krejci scored the first goal for Boston. But, Frank, that was all the Bruins could muster. The Islanders go to a tear. Kyle Palmieri, Matthew was second of the playoffs and second of, this, uh, of the Islanders' goals this night. Casey's, and then it would be 2-1. The Bruins would pull the goaltender to try to pull, get some momentum. Um, that would allow Casey's as to score the empty net goal to go up 3-1. They again would try the empty netter again. And J.G. Uh, Paggio would score the other empty netter, Frank, for the New York Islanders. They would win game four, four to one. Um, game five of the return back to Boston was this was the game, Frank. This was probably one of the more exciting games of the series. And uh, David Postonok would start the scoring for Boston. Uh, but the Islanders would hit with hit would hit back with two quick wins here. Uh, uh, Matt Barzell in the power play and Kyle Palmieri to go up two one New York Islanders. Uh, a fantastic goal, a, a fantastic Individual effort by uh, Brad Marchand would score. He would tie it up two to Boston and New York tied to twos. Um, Josh Bailey and Jordan Eberle and Brock Nelson would go bang, bang, bang back all three in a row. They would actually be up five to two at one point. Um, and the Islanders made it a game, or I'm sorry, the Boston Bruins would make it a game. Frank Pasta knock another goal in the power play, his second of the game, and David Krejci would score. They'd pull it within one, but the Islanders, you know that defensive, uh, you know system they love to enable so much. Uh, once they had that lead, it's hard for them to give it up, and they 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 did the bend but don't break defense. Uh, they would come away from Game Five with with a um 5 to 4 victory in Boston. So that means Frank they would go back to the Coliseum with a chance to close out the series. Um and the, again the the Rock the Rocking House and the uh the Coliseum and Travis Zajac, Frank, the former New Jersey Devil would start things for the Islanders so scoring a power play to go up 1-0. Brad Marchand would uh would retaliate for Boston to go up 1-1 and then Frank the dam broke open and the New York Islanders uh would, would, would kick it into overdrive. Brock Nelson, back-to-back goals. Kyle Palmieri, that would put it a 4-1 uh, New York Islanders. Marshawn would get another power play goal to make it 4-2. Um, and they would try to pull the goaltender twice and have it backfire in their face both times as Cal Clutterbuck and Ryan Pollock would each score empty netters. And that would leave it to 6-2 New York Islanders win game six. And they would clinch the series against the Bruins. The heavily favored Bruins would be eliminated by the New York Islanders, and this would move the Islanders on to play in the, we see the divisional five. I forget if they're even called now, no conferences, but uh, they would move on. And just a re- reflection, Frank, it looked like the Islanders uh, kind of just picked up where they left off against the Penguins. And it was kind of shocking to see them do this to the Bruins, even though, you know, the Penguins are a great team in, in and of themselves, but you just felt, you know, maybe, Tugarask, uh, he was probably better than uh Tristan Jari was against the uh you know working for the Penguins there. But uh even then Frank Tuka Rask had some very weak games in the series and it seems not to discredit anything the Islanders have done, tremendous job to the players, the role players, the defense, and and head coach Barry Trotz. But Frank, I think the Islanders kind of caught uh some teams with their pants down, theoretically uh, speaking, in terms of the goaltending performances, Frank, I don't think Tuca Rask necessarily had his uh, best series. And I think that wasn't the only reason they lost to the Islanders, but but certainly uh, it allowed things to get out of hand here in a few of the games.
0: Well, Bronson, fabulous job breaking down this series, and it was a, a great series. Uh, mentioning Tuca Rask. Is this the last time we see him in a Bruins uniform, unrestricted free agent? Sorry, yeah. Um, last couple of seasons underachieving. Uh, they did get to a cup final against St. Louis, losing a game seven. I mean, so close to you know that being a different story, but since they lost that game seven, you think, boy, it's been a couple years of disappointments. And, um, no, you, you said it, they were heavily favored. I thought after getting by Pittsburgh, maybe the Islanders have a letdown. Um, we, uh, you know. They just know how to get it done. And it's Barry Trotz is a testament, I, testament to him. He's a fantastic coach. We talked about Jack Adams. He didn't get a mention there. but Because uh, they kind of snuck in as the four seed. Um, but they knew what they were doing. They knew if they got into the dance that they their style of play in the playoffs uh, could make another deep run. Of course, they went to the, the semifinal round last year. I think they're calling it the Stanley Cup semifinals just because there's no East and West. I'm interested to see if they hand out the Clarence Campbell Bowl. And the Prince of Wales trophy, because the Prince of Wales trophy would traditionally release. It would go to the Eastern conference winner and the Clarence Campbell bowl would go to the, uh, the Western conference winner. If you remember Bronson, they used to call them the Wales and Campbell conference. If you go back to the Lemieux and Gretzky all-star games, they would wear Campbell and Wales instead of East and West. Cause the map was kind of all screwed up. You had Toronto in the West and Detroit in the West back then. So they didn't really want to call it East and West, but um. But now the Vegas and Montreal series um, spoiler alert, Vegas and Montreal advance, but, uh, um, by now most of our listeners know that anyway um that's de facto western conference final maybe because there's one western team in it so it'll be funny if the if the canadians are able to win do they get the western conference trophy the the clarence campbell bowl it's kind of kind of interesting i'll be i'll be uh, interested to see if they if they hand it out and all the players don't touch it you know they, don't, they never want to touch that trophy but um but no bronson especially in six games i mean the islanders take it to them they beat the penguins in six they beat the bruins in six you got to hand it to them they play that muck it up they you know they they trap you and they they got enough goaltending and enough scoring they get you know they have four good lines they roll out i love the you know i don't love it but that fourth line of azekas martin and clutterbuck is probably the best fourth line in hockey because they not only they shut you down they get under your skin they they Lure you into retaliatory penalties. They and they, they 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 chip in a goal or two here and there and You know Zajac came alive. He was a, a healthy scratch until the injury to wallstrom Um, paul mary came alive. You uh, you see barzell their best player Um didn't score till later in the series, yeah, but
1: let's cut you off but I, I think you know barzell finally showing up to the series and then of course Uh game five and six performances by brock nelson. I think that's that's the cherry on top
0: so they have so many really good players, no great players, but a lot of really good players. And they, they, they did it around the salary cap. Well, and play all this without Anders Lee is what amazes me. I just
1: wanted to mention that.
0: <laughs> it's like unbelievable. Their captain and they, you know, arguably their best player, Anders Lee two way forward. I mean, centerman, um, face offs, everything he plays, every penalty kills, power play, uh, does it all. And, Boy, they march on again. How can you bet against them? I mean, I know they're coming up against a juggernaut Tampa. We'll we'll, we'll, uh, preview that series at the end, but um, the Islanders get it done again, Bronson. And, you know, I really thought it was going the Bruins' way. They take game one, and, you know, winning game one isn't always um, a guarantee to win a series. But uh, game two goes to overtime. You know, if one bad bounce, it's two nothing Bruins. It's a whole different story. Game three goes to the Bruins. So. Again, you could be looking at a three-games-to-none Bruins just like that if a couple bounces. uh, The great Marchand game-winner from that tough angle in game three is what stood out to me. I remember seeing that goal just like an impossible from-the-goal-line top shelf on on Varlamov. It was an insane angle, but it was never enough. The Bruins could never mount enough momentum. Um, They could never, um, you know, string goals together. They were always letting the Islanders hang around and yeah, you know, the Islanders will jump up and bite you if you let them hang around. So another another upset victory. They they move on as the as the four seed, and uh, they're they're just they get it done under Barry Trotz. That system, everybody buys in. They split the goaltending up. They, they you don't know who they're going to go to out of the two Russians, and um, really really going to be a tough out for for their next opponent, uh, Tampa Bay.
1: Yeah, and like I said, and since Game Three, Frank, Games Four, Five, and Six, the Islanders didn't score any less than four goals in the entire series. So and yeah, and of offense games. is there is there
0: bugaboo sometimes, but they they proved that wrong. Yeah, scoring four plus.
1: Yeah, and I and I and I knew when Barzell started getting involved in the action. That's, 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 yeah. you know the the steal the Mark Madden uh, quoting Scott Steiner on uh, wrestling. The numbers don't lie, Joe, and they spelled disaster for you at sacrifice. So. Uh, <laughs> He's silly, silly, don't want guys like Matt Barzell getting on, uh, getting on the, the Schneider, getting them, getting rolling there because, uh, not only spells disaster for any team the Islanders are playing. And, like, you know, Frank, not to, you know, we are kind of just playing spoiler because most of the people listening know what happened, but, uh, still 1 nothing Tampa Bay here as we are recording during game three of the Islanders Lightning here to at the, at the Coliseum here. But moving on, Frank, uh, another series that went six games, uh, um, the the Vegas Golden Knights would go to Colorado um to to play the Red Hot Avalanche you know the team I I hitched my wagon on Frankie the Colorado Avalanche and uh so the if you missed last episode, I feel like that guy that announced the Batman episodes, Frank, <laughs> if you missed last episode, <laughs> if you missed last episode, uh, we recapped a, a grueling tough seven game series between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Minnesota Wild, Frank, a lot of minutes, a lot of action, a lot of shots and a lot of scoring chances against Mark Andre, Flory, Frank. So Pete DeBoer figured, you know, seven games with the flower. We've kind of, we've kind of wrote, you know, hitched our saddles to the flower. We kind of wrote them pretty hard last series um, Robin Leonard became active and available to them on the roster. He had not played a game since May 10th, Frank, going into Game 1. But Pete DeBoer, who, who is who is a Leonard guy, uh, made the option to go with him in Game 1 over Marc-Andre Fleury against the Colorado Avalanche. Not because of anything Marc-Andre Fleury did. He played stellar in the first round. Uh, But in in, um, the Boers, you know, train of thought, thought that, you know, he would give Fleury a rest. And when you have two goaltenders like Fleury and Leonard, who are now this year's uh, Jennings Trophy winner, that statistical trophy of goals, goals against average, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. you can make a move like this and see if it works out, Frank. Uh, so it was game one in Colorado, and it's no longer called the Pepsi. Today it's called like Ball Center or Ball Arena or something like that. I can't keep track of all these. Yeah, it's not called sponsors. the Pepsi Center. Anymore. Yeah, every, in work. every
0: sport they change names every couple of years. It's annoying.
1: Yeah. So game one, Frank, in Colorado with the red hot Avalanche team, the, the team that I've uh, just been, uh, you know, ta- tooting their horn all all playoffs and then a regular season. Uh, Robin Leonard hadn't played since May 10th, goes in net against the Vegas Golden Knights. And Frank, uh, this this would not would not end well for uh, my favorite sweet goaltender, would not end well for Robin Leonard as the, the Colorado Avalanche had the onslaught unleashed on Robin Leonard and the Golden Knights. Goals by Miko Rontanen, Gabriel Landis Cog, uh, the hometown kid, Brandon Sod, uh, Nathan McKinnon, and Gabriel Landis Cog on the power play on a beautiful setup. Uh, by mckinnon and rontan and they go five nothing on the on the vegas Gold knights uh, wh- uh bad bill Wild bill william carlson finally gets the goal for the knights but it would not matter frank um, nate mckinnon and kale mccarr would each get another goal mckinnon would get his second mccarr would get his first that would be eight to one. The Islanders or yeah, <laughs> the Vegas Golden Knights would fall to the Colorado Avalanche in game one. Frank, it was just a, an implosion of the, of the Golden Knights, Robin Leonard. You know, I watched, I was really into that game. Frank, I watched that game. We kind of touched on the last episode, although we didn't do the recaps. Uh, Leonard just was not ready. He was not ready to play. I, I think he, the, the, the team in front of him was not ready either mm-hmm. from the goal on out. They were not ready. Leonard gave up some very questionable goals, even though they were to great scores, Shots he had to stop, uh, did not, and uh you just can't give the uh, the avalanche that kind of that kind of leeway and lead in the series. Uh so you know, I remember Eddie Ultrick saying as that game closed, Frank, he's like the Golden Knights have just gotta put this behind them as another game. I just don't take it to heart. It's just one game. and Shower
0: off like uh Quinn Hurdle used to say.
1: Yeah. Well, game two, Frank, they would go, you know, still in Colorado, but uh, Pete DeBoer would would find some sense and sensibility here, my friend. Marc-Andre Fleur would be back in the cage for game two, uh, and the goal scoring would start by the Colorado Avalanche, and Frank, Brandon Sod is starting to find the back of the net in the playoffs, and he, he finds it here. Game one, a goal, and now game two has a goal to go up one nothing for the Avalanche in the game two. Uh, but the former uh, L.A. King Stanley Cup-winning uh, defenseman Alec Martinez would score in the power play for the Golden Knights to go 1-1. Tyson Jost would respond for the avalanche on the power play to go up 2-1, and then Riley Smith would, would get the, uh, the the tie marker for the uh, Golden Knights to go 2-2, Frank. Regulation would not be enough to solve this, Frank. Um, and speaking of Riley Smith, he did get the goal to send the overtime, but he took a costly penalty in overtime. You cannot put that deadly Colorado Avalanche offense on the power play. They will kill you. And Nico Ronson would score in overtime on the power play uh, to seal the game two for Colorado. So Colorado takes both games on home ice. Two they games go- to none. They're going to sweep it, man. Avalanche are going to win this series, right? Yeah, that, that's <laughs> what I felt. I was I was texting. I think I was texting you. Or at least I was in my mind. I couldn't wait to start texting you and say, look at my Avalanche, Frankie. I've, I've hitched my wagon to this team. Look, <laughs> you know, let's see how we do. Let's roll, baby. Let's roll. And then we go to Game 3. It's in the Fortress. It's in Vegas. You know, Vegas, you know, licking their wounds, hoping maybe home ice changes the momentum of this series. And uh, they would get the first goal, Frank. Wild Bill, William Carlson. He'd get the first goal for the Golden Knights to go up one nothing. But the Avalanche would return back on a great... Carl Soderbergh on a great feed from uh, uh, Belmar would would get the, the things going for the Avalanche. And Miko Renton, and he just kept it going, uh, would score the second goal for the Avalanche to go up 2-1. to one. But Frank, it would not, we thought maybe the Avalanche, you know, they get a sneak out of here with a two-one victory, can go up three games to zero, and who knows what happens. Um, but a a Jonathan March or so behind the net bank shop off of Philip Grubauer, Frank, that gets things get going back the other way. It was just it was it was like that Patrick Hornquist goal in, in the Stanley Cup right off of Peck Arena. It was the same kind of goal. Mm. So Marchessault notices Ronton is not hugging the post, throws it off the back of of, of, uh, of Grubauer, and it goes in the net, uh, ties it up for the Vegas Golden Knights. Frank, and the next patch already, we get the, the go-ahead tally, and Vegas would take game three, three to two, uh, to kind of stop the bleeding that the avalanche had caused. Um, so then we go to game four at the T-Mobile Arena, and Frank, Brandon Saad on the goal again for Colorado. He starts the scoring for Colorado, and unfortunately, if you're an Avalanche fan, the scoring would end there. Um, the first goal, the, the Vegas Golden Knights would respond, Frank. Riley Smith hit the crossbar. It bounces out right on the stick of Jonathan Marchessault. He buries it, ties it 1-1, and then goals by Pacioretty. Jonathan Marchessault second. Jonathan Marchessault's third goal, Frank, is Marcheseau the hat trick. And then a role player in Patrick Brown would get the final tally for Vegas, Vegas would take game four, th- five to one. And now it evens up two, two, going back to Colorado. And I think, you know, going back to Colorado, I think a lot of the hockey fans, n- now we got a series. Mm-hmm. We went going to Vegas thinking that the Avalanche maybe could come back home with this with the game, the series already in hand. But uh, Vegas shows again, Frank, how resilient they are as a hockey team and the tremendous job by Pete DeBoer and a lot of the role players on Vegas. And they would go to game five in Colorado and Frank, I'm not. This is not a replay. Brandon Saad again, the opening goal for Colorado. He's been hot this series. Gets the first goal for Colorado, and they would go two nothing in Game Five to start out. Saw the first goal, Frank and former San Jose Shark uh, Jonas Donskoy would score. So two nothing Colorado. Maybe could something happen here, but the but the Vegas Golden Knights, Frank, as always, they're always resilient. They're not. They're never out of a game. And uh, Alex Tuck score scoring a beautiful assist by Nick Watt to th- 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 pull within one. Um, William Carlson would sit up Jonathan Marchessault to tie the game up 2-2. Two, two, two. And in overtime, Frank, it didn't take very long. Hope you didn't go uh, running for your popcorn to the fr- uh, you know, into the kitchen. Uh, because uh, Mark Stone would score 50 seconds into overtime to give the Golden Knights a three games to two lead. They went from being down two games, now now being up by one game, three to two. And so Frank, Game Six would go back home to the fortress, the T-Mobile Arena, in front of that packed house in Vegas. Um, and uh, who knows what was going to happen? Um, you know, I know, I know the the Golden Knight faithful was hoping they could they can kind of try to pull this out. And uh, fifty-two seconds into Game Six, Frank Nick Holden, and a role player for the Vegas Golden Knights, will go up one nothing for the Knights um actually that would be the se- that would be the second goal actually 23 seconds in, bronson can't read the score sheets right <laughs> 23 seconds in actually colorado gets out in front uh De- devin taves will score on this beautiful assist by nate mckinnon to go up so all of a sudden you take the crowd out early you get the goal of 23 seconds in. frankie but 52 seconds after that nick holden gets the goal so they respond back quickly so it gives you some optimism if you're a golden knights fan um alec martinez sets up bad bill what william carlson on a, on a beautiful goal there 2 one vegas golden knights colorado wasn't out of it frank miko Rantanen, he's he's just he's, he's been a pest this entire series ties it up um and then uh one of the vegas goal role players frank it was a uh a point shot by alex petrangelo which was knocked down by keegan kolasar to go three to two vegas um, the former Erie Otter Frank Andre Burakovsky, former Capital, um, get, gets his first goal of the playoffs to tie it up three-three, and so now you know with getting deep in the game at tied to three, you know um, you just don't you just don't know you know what could happen there, but um, Alex Petrangelo gets the goal to go ahead. Alex Carrier would get the goal to go two ahead, and the Avalanche with their back against the ropes, they pull the goaltender that allows. Max Patch, ready to score the empty net goal. The Vegas Golden Knights would win six to three in Game Six at the Fortress. Frank, a week before when this series started, we mentioned the last show. Colorado was up two games to nothing. There was no way the Avalanche were going to lose this series. But again, the Vegas Golden Knights. I keep saying that word resiliency. If you're doing a you know a drinking shot game and listening to our <laughs> podcast, hopefully you're not using resiliency as the word because uh, they bounce back, Frank, and and, uh, and that reser- that just deserves this. Frank, it just deserves this, you know. And so, yes, Frank, I've announced that I've dumped the Colorado Avalanches as my team. i have a fan of them, <laughs> and I'm going with the Golden Knights. Well,
0: you That's have to dump Vegas them. Game. Now they're out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love when they play this after every Vegas win. We'll have watch.
0: to see. Will Bronson jump back on the Avalanche bandwagon next season? That's, <laughs> we'll have to pull out the archives. Because <laughs> everybody's going to be picking them. You know, they learned how to lose. Now they can learn how to win.
1: <laughs> uh, but the Vegas Golden Knights win in six games, Frank, uh, They brought a smile to my face, even though it was a little sad that my Colorado Avalanche can pull it out. All I really hoped for that was an awesome series, and I, I enjoyed watching this series, Frank. I watched almost every game, and um, just to, you know, just just proves you know, Mark Andre Fleury continues to, to earn his medal, and uh, and he came up big when he needed to, and um, the Golden Knights seemed to kind of get going there. Mark Stone only had one goal in this entire series, but it was the one goal that mattered. It was the overtime goal, and um, didn't really matter. You know they they got they got some productivity from March or so, who we didn't really hear too much of last series. Pacioretty was injured most of the first series, so he got his chance to get in this series and and get going. And then you have then you have you know Frank contributions from Carrier, Keegan Colasar, Nick Holden, you know these role players, um, you know Patrick Brown, you know. You know Vegas getting it on all ends, Frank, and you need everything clicking on all cylinders, and that seems what Vegas seems to be having. Um, and this was just a fantastic series, and uh, wasn't shocked that they beat Colorado, but obviously being down two games to nothing, the defending p- defending Presidents Cup winners, Presidents Trophy winning, uh, you know, team, that it, the odds aren't really much in your favor, but uh, but uh, you know, don't tell Vegas the odds. You know they 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 play the they play the tables, they play the it, the slots, the casino, baby, they, you know, they, they bet big on themselves and they came out uh, with a very impressive victory in the series against the Avalanche, Frank.
0: Oh, it's fun hearing you break down that series brush and you can really tell that you watched it and enjoyed it. And boy, you talked about it. I mean, going up two games to none, especially the blowout in game one. I mean, I remember watching the, uh, the recap on NHL network and everybody was like, what a buzzsaw. Uh, this Colorado Avalanche team is the best team in the league and, the the explosive firepower they have and Vegas better wake up and you know everybody said that uh, Pete DeBoer and you know the 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 Mark Stones and the Petrangelo's who've been there before or they'll they'll get in the locker room and they'll be ready for game two and uh, you know they played a much better game in game two they forced it to overtime um, Colorado got the win again and I thought that might demoralize the Golden Knights and I'm thinking sweep like. You know, if you're up two games to none and you just, you know, Vegas gave their all to kind of bounce back from the, you know, shellacking in game one. Um, but still to their credit, they knew, and you always hear the old adage, the series doesn't start until a team loses at home. So they knew they had two games back in one of the best home ice advantages in all of hockey in Vegas. Um <laughs> They they won a squeaker in Game Three, which you know is a must-win. You can't go down three three nothing because if you go down three nothing, it's only happened like a few times ever, where a team could come out of that hole. So they got the must-win. They carried the momentum into a Game Four win, which was just all nice. You said it five to one, um, and that makes that makes Game Five huge. You know what the the Game Five winner, the Penguins, found out. In the 2-2 series, the Game 5 winner goes on to win the series 80% of the time. And it was back in Colorado, and, you know, it it goes to overtime. And Mark Stone, early in in the overtime, you said it, um, huge goal. And I heard that the celebration was insane. Uh, He was on NHL Network the next day saying, you know, thank God we have an off day before Game 6 because they celebrated so hard. (laughs) Um, Guys were almost passing out because it's in high altitude, which you you forget about because these players train so well. But at at altitude, the oxygen levels are lower, and they were so excited they were starting to get lightheaded during the (laughs) celebration. But uh, they carried that momentum along, Bronson, in one game six. Um, It was a 3-3 game. It was tight until they kind of opened the floodgates and just took the series. And I was just shocked to see it go that way, to see a team win four straight after losing the first two, but uh, you know, Vegas is a team that's kind of been there a little bit more, um, despite being an an expansion team uh, just th- three four years ago. They've loaded that roster with talent, and um, they they're a perennial Cup contender already in their in their young history. And uh, they kind of know what they're doing. They've had guys that went to it. Most of that team was involved in the Cup final run in their inaugural season, um, and they've added guys like. Um, Alex Petrangelo, who's won a cup in St. Louis. They have yeah. a ton. Of, they have a ton of leadership. Pete DeBoer's coach to find Mark Stone. I mean, yeah, Ottawa. Yeah, Mark Stone went to a you know went deep in a playoff run with Ottawa. Like I've mentioned, one of the best two way forwards in the game should get Selkie mentions. Um. So yeah, he, I'm I'm glad for Vegas. They are kind of you know we have a, our hearts a little bit there with marc Andre Fleury. Um, We'd love to yeah. see him. We would love to see him get a fourth ring. I don't think anybody in Pittsburgh would care to see the Vegas Golden Knights win it. Um, we're pulling for them so bad to beat Ovechkin in, in 2017 and 18. Um, of course. Could, yeah. That's
1: cut you off, Frank. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the Islanders just tied the game up at one.
0: Was it uh, Beauvillier?
1: <laughs> well, they didn't score on the power play, but they might as well have scored. And it looks like right actually after. it's going to be. Cal Clutterbuck that gets there
0: this. There you go. The fourth um, line I
1: talked about, man. <laughs> well, what happened was lightning were up one nothing, and then um uh the Islanders start mucking mucking it up in front of Vasilevsky. Sergachev kind of gets a little rambunctious. He takes a penalty, puts him on the power play, and then the power play just ended, but they so it looked like here looks like Sir uh that Sergeyev, or no? That's who's that? Um oh. Uh Cernak was trying to tuck the puck back under Vasilevsky and the Islanders just mucked and grinded in the crease and they got the puck. I wonder if John Cooper will call goalie interference here and try to challenge us. Because Clutterbuck is jamming his stick under. No, they didn't call it that, no. He he just jamming his stick in there. He probably figured he probably wasn't gonna get a call because the puck was kind of loose in between his legs. But yeah, I mean the Islanders kinda muck and grind their way to get the tie of this game up. Uh, you know, so they don't want to, especially them being at home now. You don't want to keep them hanging around but not to cut you off Frank But yeah that one we love
0: we love the live updates one one fun thing. We usually have a game on in the background It's always fun,
1: but yeah, yeah but, it's, it's, but, but I actually i'm glad I interrupted you mm-hmm. even though you may not appreciate this because I wanted no. to ask you something Sure, and mark Van brought this up on the show Um looks like okay. the Islanders look like they're gonna get a penalty here pellets gonna go to the box Looks like okay. it's gonna come back around again um but uh, Mark Baden said this, you know, Mark Andre Fleury, 09, 16, 17, the appearance in the Cup Finals in 18. Yeah. And if he, you know, Mark Batten said, you know, if he appears and he doesn't, if he doesn't win, it doesn't, if he appears in another Stanley Cup final, do you put him in the top five goaltenders of all time? You kind of almost have to.
0: Well, the win numbers are there, but, you know, that's kind of tainted by the fact that there's no more ties. Yeah. Uh, Anybody, yeah anybody after that 2004 lockout where they stopped having ties um goalies probably get five six seven more wins a year because of that so um i mean if you think about it, i'm not an all-time hockey fan i mean you you know obviously you go to brodeur Waugh and Hassock, um as modern era top threes if you look at the old era you have glenn hall terry Glen hall terry saw chuck so um, Esposito, drives. Dryden. Um, and Young then you go, to, yeah, you go to the 80s and you have Grant Fuhrer just winning all the Cups. How much of it was was his doing? Not really. Billy um,
1: Smith.
0: Right. Um, I don't think, I mean, with all those names we mentioned, I, I don't think Flurry gets in the top five. We'll see how much longer he plays and what stats he puts up. He's also moving up there in all-time playoff wins. And that's a big stat because, you know, there's never ties in the playoffs. So, yeah. That number is legit. He's like fifth all time there. Um, it's it's hard to say, uh, even with a hometown bias. I don't think he's the top five goalie of all time. And the one of the one of the things hurting that resume is his twenty ten to twenty sixteen stretch where he was pooping in the puck. Yeah, it it was like a rough five six years where he was like pedestrian. So I, you know, to to not, it's kind of the, it's kind of like what hurts Don Mattingly or Dale Murphy in baseball. Like it's just not enough of a a longevity of greatness. You know, too many stretches of maybe like falling off a little bit. So, but he's definitely, I think, top ten, and he's you know, he's, he's he's in inching. That top five of all time, if he plays four or five more years and stacks some numbers, that's, gets.
1: I think that's a pretty good answer by you. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of Pittsburghers. It's no doubt. is an yeah. fuck, but I like the are kind of your devil's advocate kind of answer. Yeah, uh,
0: and that's yeah. not taking anything away from Mark Andre. I mean, I'm a huge fan of his, but you just that's a hundred years of hockey. Like I, yeah. I don't. You know, it's hard to compare eras. Of course, like Sawchuk and Hall and all them guys were a different yeah. style, and Dryden and Plante and. But uh those are the guys that you're gonna mention. And then, you know, right off the bat, Bradurwa and Hassock. So um, but no, the that's a, great that's a f- yeah. fun, fun question. And I'll wrap up my Vegas, Colorado talk. Like I said, um, you know, they a must win game three win and uh then they rolled with it and it's so crazy to see them win four straight after losing the first two, but that's a team that's got the leadership, the experience, maybe Colorado had to go through this, you know, it's like the 07 penguins. Yeah. It's it's like the capitals growing pains and, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's their year next year and we'll see if they have cap issues and who they bring back. And if Colorado can, can make another run at it. But, uh, Vegas knew how to win better, and you know, just they, they just took the momentum and won four straight. So it was a great, it was a great, entertaining series. Probably the most entertaining of the four that we'll break down tonight. I'll turn it back over. Oh yeah, you. Bronson. I, has I,
1: cute was, I was kind of hoping Frank would just keep the dialogue going because the, uh, <laughs> the, the the lightning were kind of buzzing around the net with like thirty seconds ago. It like the bees around a hive. Yeah, and they scored. They did score. Right as Frank into that segment. The is this Braden Point, Frank? Braden Point, Braden Point,
0: Braden. Brayden Point, who I call the Emil Hirsch lookalike alike <laughs> from uh, Into the Wild and some other movies. Uh, I,
1: won- I wonder if Trotz is going to call goaltender interference. No, 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 because he he pushed he pushed Anthony Surley into 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 uh, Varlamov. There's no way you call that interference.
0: Is that a yeah. Do you get a penalty for for losing that
1: challenge? I think you lose a timeout. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah, the goaltender the goaltender one I think is the penalty. One one of them is the penalty if you miss offsides of Yeah, offsides. Yeah. Yeah, green. Yeah, it looks like he's challenging it. No oh boy. But green pushed the. No, they didn't challenge it. They were kind of hinting they were, they were challenging. Yeah, yeah, green Andy Green pushed. uh Sorelli right into Varlamoff. So yeah, there's no goal interference on that. Braden Point gets the power play goal lightning up two to one here in game three. And I'll probably end the period. But uh, you know, while we're talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning, Frank, let's go to that series because that's where I'm that's where my nice segue. next segue. Nice segue. And uh I hope you get hope you guys like the name Braden Point because you're about to hear a whole bunch of it this series. Um game uh game one in carolina carolina would actually host because they were the the defending southern eastern eastern champions
0: um central central Central.
1: yeah i'm sorry so carolina actually was the defending central champions so even though the tampa bay lightning were the uh defending cup champions carolina would actually have home ice in the series uh so they would host game one and two at pnc arena um and the guy I just mentioned, Frank uh, Braden Point, gets on the board. He's the first goal of this of the on a beautiful. It was actually a Victor Hedman slop shot, which Point deflected down into a goal on the power play to give the Bolts up a one nothing lead. Uh, but Jake Bean of the Carolina Hurricanes would respond to a power play goal of his own to go one one. And then a Tampa Bay role player, Barkley Goodrow, would score the the GWG in Game One for a two one win. Um, in game one for Tampa Bay on Carolina home ice. Um, Alex, the uh, was the goalie of record. Uh, we're going to keep you uh, uh, that as the, the summary because that would, that will become crucial in the series. And Frank, I finally found out how to pronounce uh uh the number eighty eight on Carolina, it's 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 Natus. It's spelled N E C A S, but it's pronounced Natus. We had the trouble with that last show.
0: Yeah, so like, I've always said Nacosh and I've seen yeah. <laughs> that's what most of the um the, the announcers say is Nacosh, but the, the, yeah. they finally found out it's like a a a Connor Sherry uh announcement.
1: <laughs> so I had my crack research team, Frank, uh, get on that. So Natus and, and,
0: and, and Bronson, uh can you can you tell me who the Carolina goalie is again?
1: <laughs> Alex Nedeljkovic. Did I get it right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a
0: standing ovation for Bronson, ladies and gentlemen. He's he learned how to pronounce Alex Nedeljkovic.
1: <laughs> did you ever watch the Artie Lang show when it was on the Direct TV channel? No. It was Nick DiPaolo and Artie Lang. You know them as comedians. They did sports and comedy. And then Nick DePaulo and Artie had creative differences, and Nick left the show. So it was the Artie Lang show. But they had a comedian, Mike Bochetti. He's a big, he's a big uh chubby, you know, rotund guy who is uh, is from Brooklyn. Uh, but he would always butcher all the guests, he would announce who was on the show and the guest and the guest names. So he got it. Eh, beep him wrong and he would just horribly mispronounce the names and then when he finally got one right they would play like the the applause (laughs) button (laughs) it's it reminded me (laughs) of that when he used to do that to bochetti so yes i was able to pronounce it alex nadelkovich um he would be the goalie record in game one they lose game one frank two to one but i don't know if you put that on on uh, on his his shoulders you know it's a close scoring game two goals in the power play Um, so you just, you know, it's the defending cup champion. So you kind of take that with a grain of salt, go to next game. Alex Delcovich would be the goalie of record for the second game. Um, but Tampa Bay would still bring it Frank. Uh, the first two goals by Alex Kalorn and Anthony Sorelli will put the lightning up, uh, to nothing, but, um, they would pull Alex Delcovich and with the goalie pool and the extra attacker, um, yeah, uh, Svechnikov would get the only goal for Carolina to pull within one. Um, Jordan Stahl and Svechnikov and Aho and the entire Carolina Hurricanes scoring bunch would would uh, would bring the fight to the doorstep of Andre Vasilevsky. Uh, but it would not be enough. Frank, they could not get that second goal to force overtime. And Tampa Bay wins game two of the series. They took both games on Carolina ice at PNC Arena. Uh, so not a good showing for the Carolina Hurricanes at first, but they, every game, Frank, it's a two-one win each time. So they're hanging tough with the Cup champs. Something Florida could not do in round one, it seemed like. <clears throat> but we go into game three, Frank, and you know just just to change the momentum up. Rod Brindamore did go to Peter Mrazek for game three. I don't think it was anything wrong with what, with what the could bring. Maybe you know a costly goal here and there, but I, I didn't think he played too bad. I think I just think you know you have a guy like Peter Mrazek on the bench. You go to them, try to get momentum. Maybe something happens that sparks the team, um, and that actually would happen. Frank, uh, the first two goals, Carolina would go up two nothing uh, uh, on the score sheet. Uh, Brett Pesci and and Sebastian Ajo would get the first two goals for the Canes, two nothing Canes. Uh, but you know the Tampa Bay Lightning would not go away very quietly. Braden Point on the power play on an assist from Nikita Kucherov and Steven Stamkos to pull within one. And Alex Kalorn would tie the goal, tie the game before regulation could end, Frank. Um, but in overtime, this might bring a little smile to your face in this game if you watched it. Uh, Nikita Kucherov takes a very costly penalty in overtime. It puts your Caniacs in the power play. Yeah, and I watched Aho, that. <laughs> yeah, Sebastian Ajo cashes in. That puts the Canes on the board. Finally, they win game three to go two to one. So, you know, Morazic gets them the, du- the dub uh, in, in the Amalie Arena in Tampa Bay. So, uh, Rod Brindemore goes back to Morazic for game four. Um, and Tampa Bay would start the scoring first. Of course, Brandon Point on the board again for Tampa to go one nothing. Uh, but Carolina would respond very quickly. Uh, uh, Timo Teravainen on a great feed from Jordan Stahl would score to tie the game up. And then Jesper Fast would score to to give the Canes the lead, Frank. Um, but Stephen Stamkos would score off. Uh, Alex Coulomb would hit the top crossbar, and the puck would come right back to Stephen Stamkos. He'd bury it to tie the game up. And then Dougie Hamilton, Frankie, would get the go-ahead goal for the Canes, and then another goal would respond from the Canes on a goal by Jacob, Slav- Jacob Slavin. So it would be a 4-2 to game for a while, Frank. So you start to feel that maybe Carolina, you know, they figured this out and they're going to take both games in Tampa, but uh fortunately some bad mistakes and some and untimely penalties hurt hurt the canes, Frank. Um they put they put the uh Tampa Bay Lightning on the power play, and Nikita Kucherov would score to pull it within one. A name we have not mentioned in any round, Frank. Tyler Johnson would get on the board for the Tampa Bay Lightning to tie the game up. Uh Kucherov would set up Steven Stamkos to get the go ahead goal for Tampa. And then Frank Nikita Kucherov would score his second goal of the game uh to make that a six-to-four Tampa Bay win in Tampa. So they're up three games to one, going back to Carolina. Um Rod Brittonmore does put Alex Nadalkovich back in the net. Um feeling that maybe, you know, maybe not liking what he saw from Mrazek in game four. He puts Nadelkovich in for game five. And unfortunately frank the carolina hurricanes could not muster any goal in the game and Braden point on a feed from alex Cloran puts them up one nothing ross colton gets the other goal for tampa tampa wins the wins game five two nothing they win the series uh you know four games to one uh carolina i felt frank was much better than the series came out i i thought up uh, on you know Game four was the only outlier there. They probably should they probably should have been able to hold on and win that game. Every game, Frank, it seemed like they were close to the Tampa Bay Lightning. I felt like they gave them a much bigger and better fight than Florida did, and that was to be expected from this team. Like I said, I've been singing Rod Brindamore's praises all show it hurts in your heart for the hurricanes because they were your team and they they did have a you know emotional heartstring you know in, in in my heart for them as well so uh you hate to see a team like carolina go especially our friend jordan Stahl, who we always still pull for and we loved when he was here in pittsburgh uh but it's one of those things frank where maybe you just said about colorado they gotta lick their wounds uh, yeah, go back go back and and uh and get better, and then hopefully maybe next year you know they'll come back playing obviously morasic's going to be a free agent. I'm sure he'll test the market he'll the market will probably be there for him to go to another team. It'll probably be Alex Nadelkovicch's team next year mm-hmm. um and obviously Brandon Moore resigned for three years, won the jack Adams tonight, so the future's only looking brighter, Frank for your carolina hurricanes
0: no uh, Bronson, this was a series where it kind of did go as predicted um You know, the first two that we broke down, I would say the underdogs won. Um, This series, everybody, you know, the defending champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. um, Carolina, a team that's kind of not peaked yet. They're good. They've been good the last couple of years under Moore, like we were talking about. But uh, you didn't think they had the goaltending or the, you know, the playoff experience to get further in the playoffs. And Tampa just, of course, I won't get into it, but... You know the talent they have because of the cap space circumventing that they did. Um, just so many stars in that lineup. How do you compete with it? Um, they are going to be of the final four teams left, probably picked as the favorite to win the cup back to back in back to back years. So, to interrupt. It, Frank, break yeah. point
1: had a had a goal on every game this series in Carolina <laughs> except. Game two he had to wow. go every every game Of this series except game two And he had a goal tonight in game three and I know He's had a goal probably one or two of this islander Series so great star I, yeah He's got to be one of the, the top scorers Of the playoffs and and for him For shit. him to
0: to break out Like they that team is Stamkos and Kucherov like Is there Crosby and Malkin And Braden Point is this third guy I mean that's just they're Loaded with talent and he might be The best of all three right now and um they're going to be such a tough out for the islanders and then the uh the winner of the uh the western quote unquote series if they if they get to the finals but uh no this one went as as planned especially we talked about last series um the home team's holding serve well it, when you're carolina and you have home ice it's almost a curse you know and as a penguin fan i i always used to kind of hope that we would start on the road because you have a chance of stealing a game on the road. You get momentum. Tampa Bay wins both on the road. And if you're Carolina, you're looking at yourselves in the mirror like, this is desperation time. I mean, it's really going to be tough to win four out of the last five against the defending champs and do it three times in Tampa. So... Um, it wasn't to be, they did stay alive by winning game three in overtime. And that was the, the tough call on Kucherov. I remember he was livid at the official cause it was ticky tack, a little hooking, you know, the stuff, something they usually let go. Um, and, uh, it led to the game winner, but then no worse for where Tampa just, you know, they win games four and five outscoring them eight to uh, eight to four. Um, so it was a quick series. It was the fastest series, um, so far, there's one left that might be a little faster. Uh, spoiler alert, but uh, yeah, uh, Tampa in five, um, dispatches Carolina quite easily. And we didn't talk about Vasilevsky, um, no.
1: very, very, you know, shut allowed fo- five, yeah,
0: shut up, um, allowed, you know, in games. I mean, one, I, if two, you three, allowed two goals, one, yeah, oh, so three, but yeah. If you look, if you add it up, he allowed one, one, three, that's four, four, eight, eight and five games. That's still pretty darn good. That's yeah. like less than two or whatever. So, so he's, he's obviously a, 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 every year one of the top goalies to go along with that talent. They have a world class goalie. That's why they're such a tough team and well coached by Bronson's, one of Bronson's favorite coaches, John Cooper. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they, they roll in over Carolina and I it was pretty much as expected, Bronson.
1: Yeah, John Cooper's such a quote machine too because not this you know, we're gonna cover a little bit of these next series coming up here, but you know when they they lost game when they lost game two, I think it was, or it was or they lost game one, he goes <laughs> they just ask him when <laughs> he he goes we brought we brought our heart, we brought our skill, we brought our toughness, we brought our grit. We just didn't bring our brain. <laughs> and I was like you just have these little like when they played the Washington capitals in two thousand and eighteen, remember that Eastern Conference finally lost in seven games mm-hmm. I mean they had they they were in the driver's seat going into game six. And he goes, if we don't win this series then shame on us, you know it's like he's always he's always a guy that's not he's not above calling his own team out whenever he feels necessary. and and I you know, if you've been a a a, a uh, rabid fan of our podcast you guys know how much i uh i, I bow at the altar of john cooper mm-hmm. like he's the greatest coach of all he's not the greatest coach of all time but he's one of my favorite coaches um and maybe when the time comes when sully is no longer the coach maybe maybe tampa maybe he falls out of favor in tampa we can get him here in pittsburgh but um i always hold that hope out but no mm-hmm. frankie your coverage of this series is fantastic i know you were you paid uh, very close attention to the series because the canes are your 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 heartfelt team there mm-hmm. and i was pulling for them too i really wanted them to do one well and, and they get they like i said the the series didn't dictate how, how this wasn't it wasn't as far as apart as the series dictated frankie every game was kind of hard heart you know battle tested but just tampa seemed to find the edge in every game and and um Carolina has nothing to be to be ashamed about, and they have a young goaltender now, it's the and and young players. is gonna be there for a while, and the and and Slavin and Hamilton, and and, and and the list goes on and on, uh, and, and Naitchus, and all those guys. But um, you know, they'll, they'll 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 look through wounds, and they'll be back strong next season, Frank. In the last round, we do have to preview. Uh, this one did go shorter than the last, the one we just covered. This was Frank. This was the battle to see who would come out of the the Canadian division, the, the North division, and it would be Montreal who would, uh, break the hearts of the Maple Leafs in seven games when their backs were against the ropes, being down three games, to one they would come back three game three straight games and beat the Toronto uh, Maple Leafs. Winnipeg would shockingly sweep, uh, the, the, uh, star studded Edmonton Oilers last round. So I don't think anybody had Edmonton Winnipeg in Montreal in the next round there. Uh, but here we are yeah. Frank and we have Winnipeg getting home ice Um, we get started here with game one, Montreal and Winnipeg and the first goal. And Frank, get that, get that uh, applause meter ready. Let's see if I can, I can hit another one here. Oh, Um, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) And it gives you a second to think about how to pronounce this. Frank's going to laugh at me. Montreal gets on the board with the first goal scored by Jesper (laughs) Kokuniemi. Is that good or no? No, kotkaniemi. I, have been hearing
0: them say "kakaniemi," kotkaniemi,
1: kotkaniemi. which I don't,
0: I, which I don't like. It sounds like you know something kind of gross, but <laughs> there's a T in there, so I think it's "kakaniemi." And they
1: just, I said, said "kakaniemi." Yeah,
0: they're they're saying it so fast where it sounds like "kaka <laughs> kaka niemi." Luckily,
1: like, I don't you. have to say his name for the remainder of the series here, so. <laughs> The young, finish, uh, yeah, the
0: young Finn third overall a couple years
1: ago yeah yes for I Co- like to say Co- i
0: I say kotka you say kotka I say
1: Kotka. <laughs> yes for Miami would score the first goal for Montreal to go up one nothing uh Frank the uh, the veteran party would kick in here Eric Stahl would get the second goal for Montreal and assist from Cory Perry so the grizzled the grizzled vets get in there as well oh. that puts Montreal up two two goals in game one but the Winnipeg Jets would respond on a shorthanded goal, Frank, by Adam Lowry. It was a giveaway on Montreal's power play. Adam Lowry breakaway gets the goal, puts the Jets within one. But unfortunately, Frank, um, Nick Suzuki would get the third goal for Montreal to go three to one. Derek Forbert would get the goal for Winnipeg. It'd be three to two, or yeah, three to two. Brendan Gallagher would get the goal to be to go up four to two, um, and then the former. Youngstown Phantom Kyle Connor uh would score for the Jets. So it would be f- uh, I have us four to three. So it'd be four to three Montreal and Frank. Here is where the most controversial play of the series takes place. Uh Winnipeg down by a goal. They pull the goaltender. Um somehow Montreal gets a hold of the puck. Uh the puck's kind of bouncing, trickling down towards the empty net. Um and it looks like we're going to get a foot race here between Jake Evans and Mark Shifley. Frank, Jake Evans is going to get to the puck first. He decides to grab the puck. It's kind of hard to describe this for those of you listening on a podcast and not seeing the footage. If you get a chance, go on YouTube watch. I don't know if you should watch it, but to know what I'm talking about, uh, Jake Evans gets the puck. Frank, he's going to go do a you know a wrap around and just tuck it in the empty net. He's obviously going to beat Shifley to the puck. He grabs it spins it around, wraps it around, buries the puck in the empty net, and just instantaneously after the puck goes in the net, Mark Scheifele comes up high with the forearm shiver, takes out Jake Evans. He does a flip. The stick goes flying. He he lands basically face down pretty much. And um, it was a very scary play, Frank. Um, Jake Evans was taken away on a stretcher. Um, and obviously they were chasing down Scheifele. A lot of the Montreal uh, Canadiens players obviously wanted him to answer the question there. Um, very scary hit by Mark Scheife and Jake Evans. Uh, a lot of people felt there was really no intent, but just, uh, you know, Evans was put, put himself in a vulnerable position. It's kind of what kind of angle you're looking at this, Frank, on this hit. Um, but, uh, Evans does get the goal, but he pays the ultimate price pretty much there. And he gets taken away on a stretcher. Maestro would would win the game, um, five to three, Um, and Mark Shifu would have to have the, the board, the hearing from the NHL player safety. A lot of people felt he probably wouldn't get that many games judging by how the NHL player safety has been all season. Mm -hmm. Um, but they do come down with a four game suspension from Mark Shifu. There was hope he would be there back in time for game five or game six. Um, not to ruin the spoiler alert, but it does not happen. So this in essence becomes the last game Mark Shifu plays this season. (laughs) Um, I uh, don't remember if Evans came back in the series. I don't know if he did or not. Maybe you know. Um, I don't but, think he's been back yet. no. yeah, but just a scary hit, Frank and, and uh, Mark. You know, Mark Shifley doesn't have a, a pattern of doing things like this. So, not that I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, but it definitely was not a hit. He probably. I mean, I think he kind of knew what he was doing. Uh, he c- goes up high on him. Little frustration. Was, the goal yeah, was in that. Yeah, because he just took it yeah. a penalty. He just took a penalty for that, and he was upset about that. So I wonder if maybe some of his his anger carried into that. And um,
0: it was a boneheaded move.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, I was gonna put it more diplomatically than that. But Frank, I'll go with your hit. He was a bonehead, <laughs> and uh, I do agree with your partner. And uh, uh, definitely not where Mark. Sh- you know, Mark's life probably got to handle it a little bit better, but. Uh, he, he pays ultimately that he pays the price at the end. I mean, obviously missing games is nothing compared to what Jake Evans is having to endure, but, um, Montreal takes game one. And, uh, just that very, it was, you know, I'm sure the, the, the joy of winning game one was kind of taken away by Shifley's hit on their, on their teammate and, uh, brother in arms there, Jake Evans. So, um, hopefully we hear at the next level nerd sportscast, with Jake Evans, uh, speedy recovery. And, uh, that's called putting it on the line, Frank, for your team there to score a goal and to, to seal your game there. So hope all well is well for Evans and hopefully we'll get see him back on the ice very short shortly, you know, sooner rather than later. Takes us to game 2, Frank. There's no better way to to train to transition it in Winnipeg. Um the absence of Shifley, I don't know if that factored into it at all, but the Winnipeg Jets could not muster any goal, Frank. And the only goal scored in game two was a shorthanded goal by Tyler Toffoli. The Montreal Canadiens will win game one, one-neal. That's a soccer score for you. <laughs> and Carey Price came up big, Frank, with a shutout. And now, Frank, all the questions all year and all season, this shortened season, Frank, even by us, myself, and you, we were questioning the the medal and performance and, and contributions of Carey price and with every game it seems like we're, we're being left with our jaws on the floor because uh he's certainly come ready to play and he he's comes,
0: back
1: <laughs> he's back and they still have jake Allen in case he does falter mm-hmm. so we'll see how that happens stay tuned we'll talk about that series in just a second so we go to game three frank now montreal has the home ice they're in uh, where they say the Les Belles, les Apaches, or whatever full bork said on Mark Manschak. I don't speak good French. <laughs> I don't speak French well. Um, <laughs> um, but they're they're in the Bell Center for Game Three and Four, and uh, the Wiley veteran Frank Corey Perry gets the first goal for Montreal to go up one nothing, and they would get two other goals. Followed suit by Arturi Leckeden, and on a shorthanded goal by Joel Armia. So they would go three, nothing. Um, Adam Lowry would get a goal to pull within. Uh, Adam Lowry would get the goal to go three, one Montreal. And then uh, Nick Suzuki and an empty netter goal by Joel Yul Armia, his second of the night. Uh, Montreal wins that handedly five, to one in Montreal. So Frank go to game four. Montreal takes every game of the series uh, so far. And just looking to close the sweep out. Uh, Eric Gustafson would score the first goal for Montreal. Arturi and would get the second goal from Montreal to go up to nothing. Uh, maybe we thought the Winnipeg Jets at this point, are just going to basically roll over Frank. They've lost every game and now they're down to nothing. Uh, but Logan Stanley had other ideas. Frank, he scored the third and fourth goal of the game in the first and second goal for the Winnipeg Jets to tie the game up to two. Um, so Winnipeg would not go down without a fight. Frank, however, in overtime, um, on an assist from our guy, um, Cole Caulfield, uh, he would set up Tyler Toffoli in overtime to win that game, game four. Toffoli uh, buries it for the abs in game four. Frank, get this brooms out if you're a Montreal fan. It's a clean sweep in this series uh, over Winnipeg. And uh, Frank, Montreal is the champions of Canada. They are the champions of Canada. And uh, their, their grand prize was a trip to Vegas for game one and two in the, in the, uh, the finals there. The semifinals, Stanley Cup semifinals, mm-hmm. uh, um, they got to leave the country. They get mm-hmm. the, the, there was the uh, <laughs> the memes of of Borat as the Montreal Canadiens uh, uh, going <laughs> to America, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and all the it's... Canadian teams around him. So Montreal gets the trip to America with the win, with the sweep of the Winnipeg Jets. Um, I don't know, Frank. It just seemed like. Uh, Winnipeg was just—they uh, had no shot in the series. Yeah, game two was their best shot, but Carey Price was standing strong. Connor Hellebuck had some very questionable goals, and I'm a huge Connor Hellebuck fan. Um, but it looked like Montreal was in control of the entire series. They had three shorthanded goals this series. I think Montreal did so. You know, doing well in the penalty kill and um, the um, yeah, Frank. It just not much more I could. I was trying to you know leave a. a a, a positive note for the Winnipeg Jets, but obviously um, losing Shifley was huge and they have no one to blame, obviously, but Mark Shifley for that, but um, he was a big star on their team. But the other, Frank, the other guys that, that play on that team, you know, your Pierre, Luke Dubois, your Blake wheelers, you know, you know, name them off. Uh, and Connor Hellebuck, especially in the net, Frank, none of the big stars showed up for this series. And it clearly showed that uh, Montreal was the team in control the entire time.
0: Uh, Yeah, this was the only sweep in the second round, and uh, it was kind of a shocker because you saw the Winnipeg Jets kind of stunningly sweep the Oilers in round one. So you think the Jets are hot and riding high. You really didn't expect them to get swept themselves. Um, It kind of reminds me of the 2019 playoffs where the Islanders swept the Penguins, and then right after that were swept by the Hurricanes. And then right after that, the Hurricanes were swept by the Bruins. So it was like a sweep, get swept, sweep, get swept. And it's kind of a strange kind of anomaly that where it happens that way. But, uh, you know, it, the, the you, you touched upon it. The big hit in Game 1 was the only real highlight of this series. It, you know, the Shifley hit, I didn't like it. I think it was dirty. I think it was late. Uh, it was frustration-based. He knew that the empty net was in and he was going to take it out on Evans and um carry price is 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 the factor, and everybody's saying it's money well spent. Um, you know, he's getting up there in age, but he's still a top goaltender in this league, and the Jets found it out. And you know, he makes every routine save. And he, if he sees it, he stops it, and he will steal a game with a huge save now and then also. so just such a solid goaltender. Um, there's a guy that will be in the conversation if he has a, a few more good years um, as being one of the greatest to ever. Lace him up, Bronson. But uh, no, I'm kind of I'm kind of getting on this this Canadian bandwagon. I'm I I, I said in a in a pr- prior show that I want to see the streak snapped. You know, it's, I was kind of pulling for the Leafs. I, I like Matthews and Monitor and the talent they got there, but uh, and what Jack Campbell was doing in net. But uh, after they fell by the wayside and kind of choked it, choked out of the first round against these Canadians, um, I thought to myself, you know, the Jets never do it for me. They're kind of a vanilla team. They're kind of how the Wild have been for so many years, like good but not not getting over the hump. Um, so much top-end talent like with with Shifley and Little and Connor, but not much after that and not much on the back end defensively. A great goalie in Hellebuck. But not, you know, they got to make some moves in the off season to to kind of get some some D men in there. They've always been missing some big D men since Bufflin. Um,
1: Truba trading him to New
0: York. Truba gone. I mean, they don't have a a real a real number one top pair guy, and uh, so Montreal marches on, and you know they're. You know they're Canada's team. I mean, they they so they they are the Canadian champions. They should make a little trophy. Um, they get out of that North Division as as the representative to to come to America, um, and uh, I you know I'm I, I am rooting for Vegas in that series because of Flurry, but I won't I won't be devastated if the Canadians take it. It'll be interesting to see a Stanley Cup final feature Montreal versus Tampa or Montreal versus the Islanders, because that would be East against East. So in the COVID year with the, the realignment, it would make a, a strange matchup. I know Bronson uh, said off air he will not watch Montreal versus the Islanders if it ends up that way. <laughs> I mean, but, I I think... <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't mind Montreal-Tampa in the, uh, the Sergachev druin Bowl. Um that big trade a couple of years ago. Of course, Jonathan drew not playing uh, doing dealing with some stuff, but uh, imagine if they had him in that lineup because they are strong. I mean, they're a four line team, Bronson. They don't really have a a line one, a line two, a line three, a line four. They all play a lot. Um, Arm is a guy that you mentioned is an under under gets under your skin, great penalty killer, um chips in with a shorthand a goal here and there. Um, and it's all done in front of price. They got, I mean, their defense as Sharat and Petrie and future Hall of Famer Shea Weber, um, still still doing it. Um, leadership there as the captain. So I like that team. They they spread it out. They finally made off season moves to help that group. Mark Mark Bergevin and company, uh, Bert, Mark Verstegen, they put together some off season moves that finally moved the needle. Josh Anderson, Tyler Toffoli, Corey Perry. At the deadline, Eric Stahl. just adding to this group. Finally, some some name recognition, some offensive firepower, some two way forwards. Um, they they have they have a roster. I'm surprised I didn't you know give them a puncher's chance against Toronto. Nobody did, and when they took them out, they're riding high, and they still are. they you know we'll kind of we'll, we'll spoil it. They're one one with Vegas right now in the semifinals, and they have home ice back as they head back to. To, to um to montreal for game three tomorrow night as we we record june 17th uh game three in montreal that series is tomorrow the 18th um but bronson fast series they swept them they they're well rested um and with Harry price don't count them out vegas is going to be favored but uh but we'll see i montreal i think has has plans on uh, being the underdog spoiler again and, and giving them all they can handle
1: oh yeah for sure and um you mentioned some great points and you mentioned how they looked against Toronto. And of course, you know, Toronto gets eliminated by Montreal in seven games. And, you know, what's the first player personnel move they make? They re-signed Jason Spezza to another one year deal. So <laughs> <laughs> So I mean, I mean he he did all right in the playoffs, I guess, you know, when they were scoring. So I I guess they'll roll the dice to that league minimum, gives give Spezza another yeah. year with the youngsters and, and see where that goes. But no, Frank, you said that you hit the nail right on the head. And I guess I wouldn't be a good uh, podcastist if I didn't just transition to the next segment because you mentioned it in uh, the next rounds right now. Right now, if you said Vegas uh, Vegas had home ice both games against Montreal. Um, we will re- recap the entire series in their entirety on our next episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll say it is 1-1. Um, Vegas won game one in Vegas. And then um, they didn't really come to play in the first period and fell behind the eight ball a little bit. And when they finally got the guns ablaze and it kinda was too late, Montreal took game two at the T Mobile Arena. So one one heading in, like you said, Frank, going back to Canada by the Bell Center. They the home ice swings their direction now. Mm-hmm. Um one one in that series, Frank. And um Vegas, like Montreal, is having production not only from their stars, but um but by their goaltending and by their, you know, their depth players, so uh, maybe we we make our predictions are are not so early predictions of what will happen. This is kind of more of an easier each game, each team took a game. Um, what what you're looking for. you kind of already mentioned it, so um, your prediction for this this semifinal series, oh um, uh, you start it, Frank, you tell me what you think this is gonna go?
0: Well, again, I, you know Tampa's hard to pick against. Vasilevsky, uh, John Cooper, the star power. The power play. Um, everything's going to have to go right for the Islanders. You know, the Cinderella um, is, is, is the clock going to strike midnight again. It's kind of a repeat of last year. It's a repeat. It's hey, yeah. Hey, hey. I talked
1: what? about the Vegas series.
0: Oh, well, I'll do them both. I'll do them both. <laughs> I'll keep rolling. This
1: uh, Frank and I are like a, a podcast couple. It's like I'm, 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 I'm the, the I'm the, I'm the, uh, I'm the chirpy wife right now. You don't listen to me anymore, Frank.
0: I, I, I must, I misheard you. I thought you said we're going to give our predictions on both series, but
1: oh, okay, cool. maybe I, I, put it, but I was looking for the Vegas, Vegas, Montreal predictions. This season.
0: I'll give my quick prediction on both. I'll keep going. Uh, I got Tampa in six. Um, over the Islanders the Islanders might prove me wrong because they've been the underdog. They've been the the Cinderella team They're gonna give them all they can handle as we see it's already 1-1 in this series um, I think at the end of the day the power play is too tough the the star powers there Vasilevsky is gonna be a little bit better than the other two Russians a lot of Russian goaltenders in this series um, Cooper and Trotz kind of cancel each other out two great coaches um, I got to give the edge of Tampa and as Bronson wanted I will predict that Vegas Does take out Montreal. Again, the Cinderella run, I think, ends. Um, I don't think they can do it for a third consecutive round. I think home ice is going to be big in this series. Um, I think it's going to go seven games. Um, And I think Vegas takes a game seven uh, back at the Fortress. Um, Again, I say... Both of these series could go either way. These teams are evenly matched at this point. It's so hard to predict. If you're going to force me, I'm going to say it's going to be a Vegas-Tampa final, which a lot of people predicted. Many people had Colorado-Tampa, but other than that, many people had Vegas-Tampa, and many people had Vegas-Tampa last year. Um, so it, that's that's my pick, Bronson. I'll, I'll turn it back to you. You can give both of your picks.
1: No, There you go. So <laughs> I'll, I will start because I was going to go Vegas and Montreal I'll talk about that series. Okay. Tampa Bay Islanders talk about that series. But since Frank gave us both for both, I'll I'll just give my piece. You can't, you can't already mentioned why you were taking both teams, so I'll just mention my part on the Islanders uh, Lightning series. guess um, like as we're recording right now, Tampa's a two-one lead going into the third against the Islanders. Um, obviously, uh, you said Frank John Cooper's team is just you know stacked with scoring and power, but mm-hmm. obviously with the defensive prowess and coaching of Barry Trotz uh the, the, the very lethal fourth line of the New York Islanders and you know just guys starting to find the scoreboard like Barzell like Brock Nelson um I'd love to go uh you know it's I'd love to go against you here and I would I really <laughs> like I I always try to push to go against you. But uh, keep it I'm interesting, going, yeah. I'm, yeah I'm going I'm going Tampa Bay too, but I'm going Tampa Bay in seven. Okay. I think this goes seven.
0: Well different.
1: Yeah, I go Tampa Bay in seven. And then I felt like you were totally like reading my mind when you said Vegas and seven, because that was gonna yeah. be my pick as well. <laughs> I also have Vegas in seven. Um I think both both series go seven games, just the, the you know, Montreal and Tampa kind of play that same way, you know. If they get a goal lead, they're gonna protect it. Yeah. Um and I, I just think they're just gonna the both teams are just oh, they're just pests and you can't get rid of them. And and Tampa and Vegas have the scoring prowess. Uh, they they have the star power, and I just think that they're gonna they're just they're going to be muddled and bothered with the goaltending of the Islanders and the goaltending of, of the of the Montreal Canadiens. I was tempted to go Montreal in the in the finals, Frank, but one thing I, I'm gonna say right now: one thing Montreal and, and and the Islanders have have run into, and I know both fan bases are gonna choke me off for saying this, but one thing that both Montreal and the Islanders have run into is the other teams. Shaky goaltending. Mm-hmm. Tuukka was not up to the challenge against them. Tristan Jarry was not up to the challenge against both those goaltenders. Were not up to the challenge against the New York right. Islanders. In terms of Montreal, Toronto came out strong, but they fit, I think as a team they fell. Not necessarily yeah. Jack Campbell, but not all on Jack. The team itself struggled. But the next round against Winnipeg, the stars and it's it's more the the whole team as a whole. But mm-hmm. neither goaltender played well in those series. Yeah. Campbell didn't play that well, but the, his team failed him. And the same thing with Winnipeg. Hellebuck was less than stellar, but his mm-hmm. team in front failed him as well. And guess what? Montreal now faces Marc-Andre Fleury. He's been the conceivably, other than Vasilevsky, the top goaltender in the NHL. Mm-hmm. So they finally see goaltending. They have Carey Price.
0: It's a good Mar- point.
1: Well, Vegas has brought Marc-Andre Fleury to the, par- the park. The
0: ultimate stopper. You know, it's like that starting yeah. pitcher you know, every five days you you know, you got a four-game losing streak, you go to that stopper. Yeah. And, and and that's what these goaltenders might might be to these Cinderella teams.
1: Yeah. And and what what I just say about Marco J. Fleury, he was second to who? Andre Vasilevsky. That's who mm-hmm. the Islanders are facing. Yeah. And so these teams better hope that these star-studded goaltenders start finding finding the uh, the holes in the Swiss cheese and the banana peels because Right now, the top two goaltenders in the NHL, in my opinion, are playing in these series, and that's and that's Mark Andre Fleury, and that's Andre Vasilevsky. No, do No disrespect to Carey Price. He's stellar too, and he will have to be the reason Montreal wins this series. There's no question in my mind. He cannot be okay or whatnot. He's got. If Montreal wins this series, it'll be because Carey Price stood on his head and had probably one of the best goaltending performances I've ever seen in a playoff series. Not to sell the Islanders short too, because they have the one-two punch of Sorokin and and, and Simeon Varlamov. So the, mm-hmm. the the dual Russians there and goal there. But I'm sorry, Frank. I just. Both Montreal and the Islanders, and I sound maybe like a bitter Penguins fan saying this. They run into teams the goaltending has not come to play. Mm -hmm. Vegas, Tampa Bay, so far in the series, what I've seen so far, and what I predicted what would happen anyway has happened. Both goaltenders so far have come to play, and if that continues, both both of those teams will find their luck run out. That's why I have Vegas and Tampa in in the finals.
0: Really good um, points, Bronson. Yeah, never, never looked at it from that angle.
1: Yeah, and, yeah I'm, I play goaltender, so I look, I look very closely at that position.
0: Bronson plays the VH, very horrible position.
1: <laughs> it's very <laughs> horrible altogether. <laughs> uh, but no, frankly, you are no uh, Don Featherston, that's for sure. Oh, Don's fantastic. He's uh, he's <laughs> he's living up in Canada now. Him and, uh, oh. he's living a great life up there in the woods and fishing and doing and just. Living off the living off the grid, which I I told him he needs to kidnap me and take me up there with him. I wouldn't mind living up <laughs> know, off. Yeah, envious of that there. for sure. But um, I think we should save the cup predictions till next show because we'll probably have another yeah, show. We'll do final, we'll so. do
0: another predict. We'll we'll recap this round and do that round. So yeah, we'll Fair keep this going out. every two every two weeks to get together before the cup final. But Bronson, I, I think I'm going to take us to the the closing uh, since you just. Uh, wrapped up your predictions. I'll start with our quick hitters. Uh our final thoughts we're, we're going to do. We're calling it quick hitters tonight and since we talked all hockey, um we're going to uh, my quick hitter is going to hey, just give be us a, play, Frankie. Yeah, it's just going to be a trip around the other the other wide world of sports um just about what's going on in each sport real quick. Um the US Open golf has teed off Today, Thursday, the 17th, at Torrey Pines in San Diego, got off to a little bit of a delayed start. The fog was rolling in off the marine layer. Um, hour and a half, uh, I, guess I was going to say rain delay, hour and a half fog delay. So uh, the tee times were, were all pushed back. Uh, they're actually still playing on the West Coast right now. It's still daylight out there. Um, uh, so far, nothing nothing big going on. Uh, the, the leaderboard's kind of... Um, A few no-names at the top, Bronson. Let me just pull it up real quick. Um, Pardon me as I get... This is unprepared of me to... No,
1: no, you're fine.
0: ...to not have the... uh, Who the leaders are. Let me find...
1: uh, Watching the uh, Tampa Islanders game right now. I should grab this.
0: So Russell Henley leads it. Never heard of him. Four under... Four under 67. Louis Ustazen. Uh, he's a former major winner, uh, master's champion. He's at four under. The Italian guy, I always pull for the Italians, being Italian myself, Francesco Molinari, is at three under. And your boy Brooks Kepka is uh, hanging out there. He shot a two under 69. Oh, man. So he's in the, he's in the conversation always at majors. Um, so is Bryson DeChambeau. Um, Phil did not have a good day. I think he's over par. I saw him go bogey-bogey to start. It was a rough beginning. Um, so that's going on right now, Bronson. It'll wrap up on Father's Day every year as it does on Sunday. So if you have a chance to check it out, if you're listening, if you're listening to this show before Sunday, that'll be the final round. Go ahead.
1: Question. When is this? Uh, I haven't looked at the internet and I know they've been pushing it. When's this uh, golf showdown supposed to happen with Aaron Rodgers? And...
0: It's later this summer. It's between, okay. it's, uh, it's I think it's July or August, but yeah, the match, the match number four, it's going to be Rogers and, uh, it's going to be Mickelson and Brady, I think.
1: Yeah, against it Rodgers. And, and
0: it, it's, it, it's not Tiger. It's usually Tiger, but no, of no, course no, no. He's, no, no, I'm looking. he still I'm has up. a leg injury from the car accident. So, But uh, but yeah, they're, they're getting some of the, the... Go ahead, but uh, just shout it out when you get it. Yes, uh, I will. Should know this one. Link right that'll here. be interesting because Aaron Rodgers is a character. And of course, when Brady's there... It's the shambo. It is DeChambeau, so it's he's taking Dechambeau. the place of Tiger Woods in the match. Yeah, um, that'll be fun. I remember um, plugging that last year when it was Tiger and and Manning and Brady and Phil. So uh, that
1: was fun. But, I watched a little bit of that.
0: Yeah. So that's re- the golf. That's the golf world. In tennis, a sport close to my heart, I've been playing. I, just a quick bronze. I've been playing in the men's doubles league in Elwood City on Saturdays and Sunday mornings. Um, if you're ever up. Uh, early I know bronze is kind of a night owl, but we get together eight or, on
1: Sundays, so. eight or
0: nine in the morning on weekends uh, sometimes it's Saturday sometimes it's Sunday uh, this Sunday myself and Sean Kuhnfair is also in this league uh, this Sunday at 8 30 down at Ewing Park uh, John debuano has started this um, and, a, and a lot of great guys eight raging ranging in ages of eight from 18 to 65 uh, there's about 12 14 of us uh that get together every weekend and play in a doubles round robin doubles tournament every every team gets paired off and plays each other all for fun and uh it's been a blast it's it's good exercise it's getting outdoors it's hanging out with you know getting some camaraderie again after covid with some some buddies and some guys um jason hazen's involved um sean coon who i mentioned um Young guy, Trey, that played number one singles at Elwood. So uh, just a lot of fun. Our, our, our good pal, Johnny DeBuano that, that teaches and coaches at, at, at Lincoln High School. Um, so so tennis is near and dear to my heart. Uh, the French Open has just concluded. Uh, Novak Djokovic wins another major, his second French. He comes back from two sets to love. down and beats up-and-comer Stefano Tsitsipas. Um so that was good to see Novak back on top again winning another major. He may he may be the goat when it's all said and done. He may pass Nadal and Federer um, cuz he seems to still be rolling. His game is still on the top. Uh Baseball Bronson, I I've been saying it the last couple episodes kind of just, you know, chugging along. We're into we're into the uh, you know, closer to closer and closer to the All-Star break. Um not much is happening. Everybody's kind of predicted to be where they were. The White Sox leading the division, the Dodgers and Padres. The Giants are a surprise. They're, they're contending out west. Um, the NL East is kind of a, a mashup. Everybody's uh, around 500. No, no clear winner yet. Um, so big injuries. Mike Trout's still out six to eight weeks with a calf. Yeah. Um, my favorite player, and I know Bronson likes him as well. Shohei, Shohei, Otani, Showtime, is still doing his thing where he's pitching and hitting. He's like top ten in ERA as a pitcher, top ten in strikeouts, um, and then he's you know a top ten. He's got top five home runs. He's got 19 uh, bombs this year. Um, he's hitting him 470 like every other night. He's he's batting second in pitching, which if you look at the box score, it's crazy. It's like looking at a high school box score. He's pitching and batting second. It's unheard of. Last year they didn't let him do it. They he would only DH and then pitch and he wouldn't he wouldn't uh, bat on the day he pitched. But now they're letting him do both. They're kind of taking the kid gloves off. It's so fun to watch. Um other than that, Bruce, the NBA playoffs, we don't talk much NBA here because we don't have a team in Pittsburgh, but they're down to their final four as well. Or no, sorry. Yeah, they're, they're down to their final eight. And um, Phoenix is looking good. They just swept away the Nuggets. So they, they've they made it all way. – they're in the Western Conference final awaiting the winner of um, – who is it? Utah and the Clippers. And the Clippers are up three games to two as we stand right now. Um, so we might have a Clippers-Suns uh, Western Conference final unless um, the Jazz can find a way to, to to win the last two games. And out on the Eastern Conference side, Atlanta has Philly on the ropes three games to two. Up-and-coming Cinderella, Atlanta Hawks, led by dynamic Trey Young. Um They are one win away from the Eastern Conference Final. And on the other side of the bracket, we have Brooklyn taking on Milwaukee in a star-studded series where you have Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant taking on Giannis and Ted Akumpo in the Bucks. Right now it's 3-2 heading to Game 6. The Nets have the lead. Kevin Durant in Game 5 dropped 47 points, 19 rebounds. Bronson, it was his best performance of his career. Um, he And they're doing this without Kyrie, who's injured, and James Harden's playing on one leg. So the, bu- the Nets, if they get healthy and have those three stars, they build a super team, love it or hate it. Um, if they all get healthy, they're going to be the team to beat. Um, so we'll, we'll reconvene next week and probably break down the Eastern and Western conference finals. Um, I kind of predicted it was going to be the, the nets and the Lakers as everybody did. Now it's looking like the nets and Clippers, I think, um, cause we are hearing that Chris Paul is injured for the Suns. So keep an eye on that. Hopefully if they have a long layoff and, and yeah. that others, if that other series goes seven, we need to get Chris Paul healthy, but, uh, that's about it, bronze. And that's about every other sport. Um, that's going on right now. <clears throat> Here's i'm everyone.
1: gonna I'm gonna Go cross ahead. examine you on this one. Okay. I was actually gonna hit this last show when we actually did the quick hits and talked about the buckos. So of course, since we last had the last couple shows here, uh, talking to my audience here, our audience, uh, Frankie was recapping some of the buckos. Since then, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, tomfooleries would happen with, with with your your battling buckos, as John Fedco would say. Not only did we talk about the Will Craig play, but uh our boy Key Brian Hayes hit a home run and uh seemed to have a memory lapse where he uh did not touch first base. Mm-hmm. And uh that was he he got the out there. Uh so you know, that was a funny. So the pirates are not doing well against first base this year, as the, the memes have been traveling around. But Frank, I'm asking you this because I know you're bigger than this than I am. I'm the casual baseball fan. I was really big into it in high school, but then I've mm-hmm. kind of stepped away from it. And we have chronicled on this podcast for over a year now uh, the dominance and the the prospect power of two very talented Vanderbilt pitchers, pitchers mm-hmm. namely Outlighter's kid and Kumar Rocker. And now I've been hearing that the Pirates may not take either of them. They may take this <sighs> high school shortstop who they claim is who all the baseball experts. The next Derek
0: right. Jeter.
1: <laughs> yeah, and so I'm sorry, Frank, and I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to defend this or maybe not defend it, maybe take my side here. But you know what? Like, the Pirates have messed up some of these number one picks. You know, Brian Bullington, you know, your first round picks, your your, your Moscow's, you know, whatever you oh, want to say. Tony Sanchez, Sanchez,
0: Benson, Bobby
1: Bradley. You are going to pass up the star power of, of – what's Al Leiter's kid's name and first Jack, name again? Zach what Jack, Jack. Jack Leiter and Kumar Rocker. You're gonna pass them up to take this, this hit this hitting shortstop from uh, a Texas high school. My view on this, Frank, if you you know, we we uh I made the uh, the draft day uh spoof poster of myself and you on, on Facebook. So if you ever check that out. But remember the owner, Anthony Langello played the owner of the Browns and and, and mm-hmm. draft day. I am poor Ben Charrington To make a splash, Frank The Pirates have to make a splash And this Texas hitting shortstop Does not make a splash for me Jack Leiter makes a splash for me Kumar Rocker makes a splash for me These guys will make a splash Make a splash, Frank I don't want maybe, Maybe time will tell that I was wrong down the line but the, these two kids have way too much – you know. And, and another reason a lot of people think that they're going to take the shortstop from from high school, the, the Texas high school, is that they will have more years of control oh, over of him course. as Lighter and yeah. Kuma Rocker have coll- collegiate experience and they would have a faster trip to the show mm-hmm. per se. But I'm going to let you hit it. Frank, I wanted to ask you about this last show. When we stopped recording and I went downstairs in my kitchen, I go, damn it, I forgot to ask Frank <laughs> about that. So I made sure to write the note here to ask you about that and to get your response. Uh, I've been vocal about
0: it on Facebook. I think I even talked to Clark about it. Our buddy, Matt Clark, who's a, uh, who's a listener, a loyal listener. Um, I am 100% in agreement with you. You got to go pitching. And it's, if you look back, it's, it was rocker, lighter, rocker, lighter. It's going to be one of the two. And then they would, you know, they would seesaw. Um, And now hearing that it might be a shortstop or even a catcher from Louisville, Henry Davis, it wouldn't hurt me too bad if they pick a stud catcher cause they really need catching. Yeah. But to pick the young shortstop, especially, and now I know these, these names that I'm going to rattle off are not going to excite many people, but we have Kevin Newman, Cole Tucker, um, O'Neal Cruz. They, they are deep at shortstop. And I know these guys might not be the answer. They're all kind of triple a players, but um, we also picked up Bronson in a trade with, for the Marte, tra- starting Marte trade to Arizona, Leover Poguero, a really stud who's tearing it up in, in the minors right now. Uh, he's a shortstop. I don't see the point in picking. And then uh, our f- number one draft pick last year, Nick Gonzalez, fifth overall, plays shortstop. Most people project him to be a second baseman, and that's where they're using him right now at single-A Greensboro. Yeah. But another middle infielder. They can't just keep picking middle infielders. I, you build an organization through pitching. World Series are one, but with pitching. Lighter and rocker, it doesn't matter if they're college players. You get six years of control. Whether you draft them, it doesn't matter. You get six years of control, college or high school. So if they pick Rocker or Lighter, they're going to be here six years. They'll get to the majors faster, but the problem is Bronson. This team knows they can't win till probably 23 or 24, and Lighter and Rocker might be banging down the door to be on the 22 Pirates. So they don't want to waste that year, is what they kind of would think. Um, what I do is I pick Rocker or Lighter. Pick. Either one, they're both dominant. I personally like Rocker because of the big frame. I mean, he is just a a bulldog. You can't teach that, Um, the intimidation factors there. But I also like Lighter because he has that repeatable delivery. Reminds me of Walker Bueller, um, you know, smaller frame, but just, uh, you know, powerful. Um, Both hit upper 90s. I think. Rocker has a little bit better breaking stuff, but either or, um, but you got to pick the pitcher. I'm just imploring them. I'm begging. I hate how the scouts are saying we predict that the shortstop. We predict the shortstop and all the mock drafts now. And like you said, we could be wrong. Maybe we are looking at the next Derek Jeter or the, you know, at least the next, you know, you know, no Mark Garcia Parra or Miguel Tejada or Tim Anderson or Javi Baez. Like there's a lot of good shortstops out there and you, you know, that's the cornerstone of a, of a lineup, you know, cornerstones of an organization is pitching, but if you have to pick a cornerstone position player, it's usually a shortstop. So I I see what they're saying, but it's so hard to predict the high school player and how they will project. When you get a college arm, that's doing it against the top competition at the top program in the country. You have to think that it's a little bit more of a safer bet. Um, I don't know, maybe they're Boris clients and they're scared away by that. Um, who knows? But uh and they they might be more expensive, which the almighty dollar is always on Bob Nutting's mind. But I'm with you, Bronson. I'm I'm about to throw my hands in the air and give up. If they don't pick rocker or lighter. I'll say it like, you know, like I always say it like, I'm done. I'm done with the Pirates. I could never do that because I love baseball and I love the Pirates, but it will be a tough pill to swallow. I'm hoping the Charrington regime is not going to be the same, and he makes that splash and does pick the pitcher, Bronson. Totally agree with you. Great topic.
1: Yeah, I guess I was glad I I got to attack that. Last episode I did the McCutcheon thing, which Ryan Barnes, our residential fan, appreciated (laughs) me. Uh, getting hold of that question too and you mentioned that you know there's the uh the elwood city tennis league you mentioned mm-hmm. with, with uh with with john de you know yeah. who i know really well as well mm-hmm. um my cousin matt boffo I'm throwing his name out there he does an adult baseball not a league but he does um the best of elwood against he works at fedex and mm-hmm. zillion opel and so he has a bunch of guys who worked there. I guess a few of them played high school baseball and have a little bit of a baseball background. Yeah. So once every month, he does a best of FedEx versus best of Elwood. And like, you know, Kevin Retreat, there and a couple of guys, you know, guys have played Elwood baseball before. Um, so Matt's having a game Sunday, June 27th at 1230. Um, I will be scorekeeping that game. So, if any of you listening there in the Elwood area near, want to come watch some baseball, come up, say hi to me, say hi to the guys. It's too so bad I won't
0: be them. in town that day, Bronson, because I'll be up there this weekend. But I won't be yeah. there that weekend. Darn it!
1: But we're gonna do once a month, and uh, we're okay. actually doing another one uh, that week as well. Uh, Matt's having one Wednesday, uh, f- uh, June thirtieth at five p.m. at Sanders Field in Elwood. Mm. He got it. He got some connections there with the. Uh, the folks at EC baseball and got the ability to use Sanders field. So, um, I don't, the jury's still, whether I will be there or not, I might have work obligations that might prevent mm-hmm. me from being there, but, um, I will be there right after work. So, yeah. um, if you can't do Sunday, do Wednesday, fun times, good baseball. Um, you mentioned ages and tennis ages, what, 18 to 65. Well, uh, yeah. Matt, Matt and Dave Kish's dad, Bucky actually threw an inning last baseball. <laughs> Cause some of the guys were done. Their arms were dead. So, yeah. uh, uh, I don't know how old Bucky is. Uh, I don't want to uh, disrespect uh, a good man on the air here. and uh, mm-hmm. But he's uh, he's certainly up there. But uh, he was pitching like he was a youngster again. He was still certainly throwing them. So my hats were off to him. And it's always fun chatting with the, those guys and fun things. So Frank was plugging the, the tennis thing. So I'll plug my cousin Matt's right. baseball game. It's always fun. And you know, Frank awesome. is a big fan of baseball there. Mm-hmm. So there you go. So going into my two quick hitters. They're both very short. Um, the first one, Frank is, uh, racing. I'm going to hit each series very quickly, but, um, IndyCar series, uh, they had the duel in Detroit. Um, another first time winner, the former formula one driver, Marcus Erickson of Sweden. Um, he got his first IndyCar win. Uh, they do two races, Frank, Saturday and Sunday in the streets of Detroit. They do a street course in Belle Isle. Um, a tough punch in the gut for willpower. The driver, of Roger Penske, the number twelve uh, Verizon Chevrolet, the former IndyCar champion in twenty twelve. Frank, um, he was leading most of the. He fought his way up to the front, and Felix Rosenquist uh, drives for McLaren uh, Arrow Schmidt Peterson Racing. Uh, Frank, he had a computer issue with his car. Did Rosenquist and his accelerator stuck to the floorboard? Whoa! And uh, he needed a break, and he didn't get that break, and Luckily, he hit a softer barrier with tires behind a concrete wall, but there was a softer barrier of tires. I don't want to say luckily because he Sounds still scary. sustained injuries, but it could have been a lot worse. His car shot up into the catch fence. Um, they red flagged the race for quite a long time. Uh, Felix uh, was not taken to the hospital immediately. He went to the care the care center. Then the hospital, that's always a good sign when you don't you don't go immediately to the hospital. He was responsive. All of extremities he was able to feel them. He was fun. Um, so he is injured still. He will not be racing Road America this weekend. And he did not race the Sunday race at Belle Isle. So the race was stopped for over an hour to fix the, the wall and everything and to get in to get Felix out of there. We here at the NLN SportsCast with Felix uh uh rosenquist a speedy recovery and hope to see him on the IndyCar car track soon so there was another rate rack a little bit later in the race frank and they had the red flag again the race to, to fix the track will power the uh the australian was leading there for team penske and the temperature in detroit frank was very hot over the weekend and so those cars get very hot so what happens is when they do the red flag frank they go down pit road and they turn the cars off well uh those cars are run electronically by computers And when they were given the instruction to go back to the car and fire the engines up, uh, Will Power's ECU was fried. He was unable to ignite the car to start it. So he was in first place, and he could not start the car up. So he ended up not finishing. the. He came back out eventually, but he lost his first position. Uh, That enabled Marcus Erickson to win his first career IndyCar race, another first-time winner this year in IndyCar. So Will Power was very... um, Will Power was very uh blunt about uh about his fortunes in IndyCar and I'm trying to figure out here um and lot of you guys don't uh, follow IndyCar but uh Will Power was not very happy uh, and he had some uh he had some very interesting things to say about IndyCar. IndyCar because I'm the first car in and they wait for the last car to come to get a fan on that car and it He was asking ECU, for a fan to, to... And...
0: Just going cool red flag for starters. Like the guys up there in race control never listen to any drivers. They never <laughs> listen. They don't care. We've given them so many good suggestions and they don't care. And it's just, I washed my ass off today <laughs> to, to have this happen. Like I'm screaming on the
1: radio, we need a fan, get a fan. And it wasn't for you, it was for the car. Yeah, because the ECU always overheats. They wait for everyone. These guys have still got air air coming in their car
0: if you work your ass off in this sport so much money goes into it and it's just dumb decisions
1: like that he like, was very fuck. passionate I mean, it's alex rossi yellow, the former 85 i know like this a red flag so. yeah
0: uh, yeah he gets the same
1: luck too man <laughs> so willpower is very you know you know i'm not a big willpower fan frank but it just it it makes you feel bad you know that was taken away from him but uh and he's, you know, he'll, he'll fight on. He's always one of the top drivers. And uh, Sunday Pato award a guy I've been touting for the last year in this podcast, won a second race with McLaren. So that was a fun one real quickly. Frank NASCAR, Kyle Larson is dominating the sport right now. The recovery, the, uh, the, the redemption story of Kyle Larson continues. He won Sonoma, the road course, it used to be serious point and he won the all-star race last year and or last last week in, in Texas. And, um, I actually went to a local dirt track, Frank uh, Sharon Speedway, and he was driving a sprint car there, so not only is he dominating the the, the the toughest, one of the toughest motorsport levels in all of racing, he's going dirt racing during the week at your local sprint truck, sprint car <laughs> track, so, and I got to meet him on Tuesday for the 4th or 5th time, so um, I did get the chance to talk to Kyle on Tuesday and, and give him my best wishes. So, uh, the redemption story of Kyle Larson, whatever side of the fence you are, I know Frank and I are big supporters of Kyle Larson. He's done great this year and Hendrick Motorsports has returned to being a NASCAR powerhouse. Frank, you remember them with Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon and Terry Labonte and Dale Earnhardt Jr. So they've come back, they've come back to prominence with Kyle Larson, William Byron, your guy, the guy who represent Liberty University, mm-hmm. Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott, the defending cup champion. So we here at the NLN Sportscast, uh, wish Kyle Larson the best and, and he's doing really well. And hopefully maybe he'll win the championship when it's all said none of the year. Um, and finally, Frank, um, little local story and it's in ends with hockey. Um, uh, our local, uh, local guy, Steven Johns, uh, through a social media post this week, um, it had been kind of rumored, uh, I'd been talking to people, but I would never, you know, comment on behalf of someone. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, Steven, uh, the other day, and uh, officially announced his retirement from the NHL. Uh, you know, obviously due to, due to, to the, you know, to the concussion related issues and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is not this is not a a tragedy, Frank. This is a chance to for for a chance of redemption and a chance to really inspire a, a good a good message. And uh, this is the quote Stevens post. Uh, someone asked me the other day what do, what do I like to do for fun, and I didn't give him an answer because I didn't have one. I'm writing this post because I'm tired of letting depression destroy my life. The realization that my career has come to an end has really messed with my identity. What I miss most about the game of hockey is providing inspiration. So I've decided to rollerblade and draw a trip across the country to hopefully help others facing their own battles. I'll be documenting along the way to help to share my full story because I know what it feels like to be alone. For me, I watched one video and it changed my life and made me want to do this crazy thing. If I could still inspire one person to climb out of their hole, then that's a successful trip and exactly what I'm aiming for. Peace and love. And Frank, uh, you know, Steven is not the only person that's been affected by this, but, um, you know, he, Steven's a person, you know, a good kid, you know, has nothing but, you know, the best, you know, the best wishes and intentions and always mm. you know, does his best to have a positive attitude. And um, like I said, this is, this is not a bad story. It's a good story. And, and uh, you know, he got to, you know, although he didn't stay in the league as long as he would have liked, that was a, the reason why he's out of it is out of his hands. He didn't have any control over that. And he got he got to accomplish a dream of a lot of people and in the in the the biggest elite league in hockey um, and so we wish Stephen tremendous luck and everything going across the country doing the uh, doing the rollerblading across the country I've seen some videos already Frank I know you've been paying attention to this um, and it's cool to see you know and like Steven said in his post if he just inspires and, and, and this this touches one person the trip across the country will be worth it Um and steven's a tremendous kid the, the entire john's family has always been nothing but good you know mm-hmm. uh to you know to everyone basically and um and uh just it, it's cool you know seeing him rollerblading, you know seeing the videos and it's very inspiring and then uh he's a tremendous kid and then uh, you know guys like him you know nothing nothing but su- success is going to follow him and so uh we here at the nln Cast and everyone i'm sure everyone that listens to this uh wishes him the best in, in his uh his endeavor and then uh because because me- mental illness frank is is not is nothing nothing to mess with it's you know that's i know people close to me who've dealt with it and uh and then depression and things like that it's it's very it's 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 a tough thing and they made movies about it, documentaries about it but uh uh you know there there are great people like steven who are gonna who are going to turn you know his abrupt end to his NHL career into a positive and uh, spread a good message and, and just inspire people that they're not alone and uh, and uh, my hats off to Steven. and uh, he's a tremendous kid and and uh, and hope hope he hope he stays healthy as he goes as he trucks across the country because that's a that's, that's 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 a tough endeavor it's a physically demanding endeavor for sure so so yeah we wish Steven all the best and and know that, that know that there's nothing but uh, a bright future ahead for Steven.
0: Yeah, Bronson, I've been following this story as well. And I even saw when the journey took took its first steps. So it was online or in the Elwood City ledger. He's standing with the uh the police, the squad car and and his rollerblades getting ready to go. And, you know, taking off from Elwood City PA across country. And it kind of reminds me of uh, you know, uh what Forrest Gump did in the in the famous movie Running Across the Country. It's like yeah, uh, Steve is gonna make these, you know, pit stops in different towns, I'm sure, and and talk to community groups and individuals that have had their own bouts with uh with um the the what is it called, mental health issues. And yeah. um you know i'm sure stephen with uh you know a promising young career kind of getting derailed by injuries and the the grind with uh the rehab and the missing games and it all you know missing family i you know i can't speak for him but it's all it's all tough and um you know you just wish him the best you want him to get get right and and get get his life uh, to where he can, uh, you know, enjoy his retirement. And you know, maybe someday, I'd, you know, I'd love to see him get back involved in the game. Maybe he coaches or he does something in the front office or scouts. I don't know yeah. if that's something that he wants. But uh, boy, even in his short career, he made Elwood City and Wampum so proud. And you know, he got to the pinnacle, like you said. And you know, I was looking up his stats the other day. Fifteen NHL goals. I mean if you score one NHL goal, you, you've, you've arrived. And he's, you know, he's got 15 of them and he's played in the Stanley cup playoffs and, you know, yes, at the age of 29, it, it ended too soon, but he's going to do great things outside of the game now. And
1: absolutely, he's,
0: he's going to bring awareness to this, this topic that's, that's uh, close to his heart and um, and help others. So he's definitely, you know, we're so we are proud of you as a hockey player, Stephen, but we're proud of you as a human being now. and, you know, just just keep doing what you're doing and inspiring others. And we're we're excited to follow this this journey of of your rollerblading across the country to bring awareness and uh, just just you know, bravo! You know, standing ovation to Steve and John. Absolutely. Uh, Elwood City Wampum native. Uh, just just su- super proud of him. Well said, Bronson.
1: Yeah, and like I said, and this is I'm taking this from the USA Today article that I was reading because I know they had the the stats. Yeah, 167 <laughs> NHL games played. 33 points, 15 goals, 18 assists, um, uh, 44 assists and 57 points in 118 games, some goals there in the American Hockey League, but, you know, part of the U.S., you know, National Development Program, gold medal at the 2010, you know, World Under-18 Championships, four years in Notre Dame, playing for legendary coach Jeff Jackson, um, he was alternate captain, one year with Team USA at the 2012 World, World Junior Hockey Championships. He stood tall, you know, in the in the toughest league of all. So, like you said, you know, you know, we're, we're very proud of Steven. and uh, and you know, just take it one day at a time. I mean, he's got he's got he's got his whole life ahead of him. You know, he's 29; he's, he's, he's still a young man. You know, he's been battle tested. He's got like, he's an entire life in front of him. So, um, whatever tr- whatever path he chooses to take, you know, we'll be behind him 100. percent So, no, that's that's all I have, Frank. And just wanted to touch that and uh, and. Uh, even though it's mostly been a hockey episode and I ended it with hockey. Uh, this is more than a hockey story, Frank. It's a, it's, 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 it's a, it's a trip of human redemption. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, uh, like I so said, we, we here wish Steven all the best. And I leave it to Frank to give, uh, not that you know, we'll kind of transition that, but I leave it to Frank to end the show. So I better cue the music because we know where this goes next Frank's favorite ending. He pays tribute to the reigning Mexican triple a wrestling champion, TNA champion, Impact champion, and all-elite wrestling world champion, Kenny Omega. This guy, Frank, is collecting world title belts in every (laughs) wrestling organization. There's a picture of me. It's like the belt's going up to his neck because he has so many. But uh, we know what he contributes here to the NLN Sportscast, and that is the the finale uh, of the show. And so I will leave Frank to steer us that direction.
0: well as another episode wraps up stanley cup playoff recap quick hitters bronson and i It was a great episode uh, once again as we always do we have to thank next level nerd justin mcconnell nico rocco they're doing their thing with the movie podcast we're the sports end of it we thank my wife katie who will be putting this show together the lovely and talented katie Conti. Ten four on that um she'll be cutting the show and getting it out hopefully this weekend um, but without further ado, I'm probably going to mess this up and Bronson always has to jump in. I say, once again, good night, moi, and good night, bang. Hockey, throw me the baseball. Now toss me the big skin. Now feed me the rock Now give me the rock